0: Hope of all trades, bitches. You best be listening.
1: Hello, and, again, welcome to the Aperture Science Computer-Aided Enrichment Center. We hope your brief detention in the relaxation vault has been a pleasant one. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Malnax, a podcast by a girl unheard of!
2: Isn't that hairless party? If it isn't Skywalker's filthy, obnoxious little pet. Where am I? A girl. They're well spotted. Power! It's a girl. Oh yeah,
0: you're right about that.
2: She can violate my rights if. Hey.
0: Make this. And you die a legend. Can I pee first?
2: I'm really glad that worked. Those would have been terrible last words.
1: This is a PSA from Hope Mullinax. So guys, um, in the beginning of this episode, my... Audio is a little wonky, uh, and it's only about for the first 15 20 minutes, and then I get dropped from the call. But when I get dropped from the call, you can hear me suddenly. Hooray! So just bear with the beginning of this show, and I hope you enjoy it because Shag and I had an excellent time recording it. So here's mine and Shag's Doctor Who throwdown. Hi everyone! Welcome to a new episode of Hope of All Trades. Oh, we have a really special episode because my Arch Nemesis is on.
0: Arch Nemesis? Yes, you are are but nothing to me. You think we're playing a clever game of chess when, in fact, I am playing a game of solitaire.
1: I was playing checkers, you mofo. (laughs) 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 So if you don't know who this is, if you're not a regular of our shows and you just listen to my show because I'm cool, Uh, this is Shag. He's a regular on a lot of the Two Truth episodes. And we've talked Doctor Who before on the Doctor Who special. That was a bajillion hours long. And Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit of something about
0: yourself, Shag. Well, I am the irredeemable Shag. Um, My main home on the podcast web would be the Fire and Water Podcast. Uh, It's a podcast dedicated to Firestorm the Nuclear Man and Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas. Yes, that's right. Two tastes that taste great together. Um, We do a weekly show there on that. And then when you don't find me there, you'll find me at firestormfan.com or occasionally onceuponageek.com. And then when Chris and Scott uh, are off their meds and have nothing better to do, they invite me once in a blue moon to visit over on Two True Freaks, or Michael had me over on Fusion Longbox, or I'm I'm a bit of a podcasting whore, really. Uh, I'm also on the Unique Geek podcast, so you know.
1: And now you're my whore for tonight. I'll give you the money afterwards.
0: There you go, baby. We're protection. That's all I'm saying.
1: Ew, ew. I'm, we
0: just said I'm a whore. You never know what kind of podcasting diseases I'm carrying. Oh,
1: I feel bad for your wife. Yikes! <laughs> well, I <laughs> feel so bad
0: if she stuck with me. So,
1: oh uh, yeah, it's true. So she must be used to it by now, or she's very brave, or just grown immunity. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about the recent specials. I guess, I guess they're not specials; they're actually a like the first part of the season, right?
0: Correct. First half of season seven
1: of Doctor S- Who ser-
0: series seven, as they say over in, across the pond.
1: Where we lost the ponds that dried up.
0: I know. Oh. Well, uh, hey, spoilers. Okay, folks, this just will be just so you a know,
1: spoiler show.
0: This is gonna be very much a spoilerific show. If you haven't watched watched the first half of season seven, turn off your iPod now. Put it down. Walk away.
1: Yeah, we're breaking down like every episode, talking about our feelings. Well, maybe not. Chat, but I'm going to talk about my feelings, because um, <laughs> I'm a girl.
0: I, I cried twice. I'll admit it.
1: So we're gonna go through Pond Life, Asylum of the Daleks... Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, so Town Call Mercy, Power 3, Angels Take Mag- Manhattan, and a bunch of other shit that we can come up for with. <laughs> <laughs> How do I podcast? I don't know.
0: <laughs> what are the random shit we think of? Oh, can we curse on this?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, totally. Have you not listened to my show? How dare
0: you? I, I, I listened That's until a- you called me your nemesis, and I was like, oh, I'm turning this shit off. So.
1: <laughs> That's okay. I haven't heard an episode of yours either, though. So. But I, I listen to when you're on the 2 truth stuff, so
0: You mean the ones where I fall asleep? (laughs) Totally did that on a Star Trek episode. (laughs) Chris had to wake me up.
1: (laughs) All right, so let's start with the lead-up to Season 7, Pawn Life.
0: Dramatic pause, or was it my turn? (laughs) Your turn. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw this today for the first time. Uh, I had never seen it. I, You know, it's interesting. I, I've really This year I have tried to dodge as much news as possible because I really didn't want this season spoiled for me like previous seasons. So I totally missed Pond Life. I didn't even know about it until you emailed me. Um, I watched so it today. I
1: saw it every day, like, like the Monday, the Tuesday. Because they released it on the week coming up. So you had like the first part on Monday, then Tuesday, was like Thursday, and Friday. And That's so, cool. Yeah, but the thing is about Friday, I was at Dragon Con and the Friday one came out, so I was, like, watching it
0: on my friends, like, over their shoulders for
1: it and crying on them.
0: Aww. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was really cool. I mean, it's a great little te- They're very good at these web-exclusive stuff. I mean, in fact, ju- while well, I was watching that one, I found on the sidebar on YouTube another one I'd never seen, which was a, a web-exclusive for the... the whatever it was, the witch, the wardrobe, the time, whatever yeah. the Christmas episode was. There was one for there. I didn't know that either. Um. So I yeah I, I loved Pond Life. I thought it was really good. Um, really, I, I mean, heartbreaking at that last bit when you see Amy and Rory split up.
1: I Just, know.
0: Oh. And, and the, uh, I loved the bit with the ood. The ood was hysterical.
1: <laughs> the ood and the loo.
0: Ood in the loo. You know that actually reminded me of was an old story. Um, John Pertwee uh, used to do the, the third Doctor from the old series. If you're not familiar with him, used to always say that the aliens that occur in the real world, meaning our earth are a lot more frightening than ones, than ones that take place in space. So like, cause if it takes place in space, you can kind of pretend it happens somewhere else. But he, he used to use the example of a Yeti in the loo was what he would always refer to. A Yeti in the loo is more terrifying because it's, you know, more real world. So seeing the Ood in the loo, I'm like, that's got you know, S- Stephen Moffat had to have that in the back of his mind when he did that. I assume. So. Steven Moffat just like, was King this
1: season. Just King. Because the thing about last season was, like, I really loved Matt Smith's first season. And then the last season, I just I don't really remember it, because it was just so much plot. Like, because the first season, it was like the new adventure of the day, and then like suddenly, bam, it all made sense at the end, and you are just like, yeah. Oh Well, see, last season, it was so plot-heavy, and it was very heavy River song, which I like River, but she's not my favorite character. So I really just don't remember any of last season. I haven't even watched it. But this season, I've seen every episode at least twice and really yes because I, I really enjoyed it I thought it, it reminded me very much of Matt Smith's first season and probably possibly Eccleston season a little bit too like I felt like it still had that same new fresh like you really don't know what's gonna happen next sort of feel
0: see I, I, if I had to draw a comparison to a previous season I would probably say it felt like more like Tenants' first season to me just with uh, Matt Smith's level of wonderment like you're right, the, the second season of Matt Smith was really heavy. I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of episodes in there that were fantastic. But it was heavy, you know, and it was, like you said, very plot heavy. It was Each episode was dependent upon the next. Whereas this one, I mean, that one line that he delivers about dinosaurs on a oh. spaceship. He's just so <laughs> excited. the wonderment in his voice. It's like that carried through a lot of the episodes this season. And I just, I'm, I loved it. I loved that about him. Yeah. I felt, I felt the same, I'm sorry, where I was going was, I felt the same kind of energy during David Tennant's first season, where David Tennant's seasons felt sort of very, you know, kind of like, um, you know, just kind of the adventure of the week that all tied up at the end as well, but I felt like there, there was just a lot of wonderment, and uh, I enjoyed that this season.
1: But there's, like, so many, like, little things hidden, like, even in pun life, like, like little tiny little things that were thrown in that you didn't always catch, like, first, like, like, the doctor made Rory and Amy's house across the street from a playground, which is why they did, got a divorce, because they couldn't have kids. And like, and, like, little motifs that got, like, sprinkled in throughout every episode. Like,
0: is that, so, the fact that he put their house across from a playground was part of that?
1: Well, no, that, uh, there's a big, like, theory. Like, like, the doctor feels like, you know, he's, it's, it's all fandom stuff.
0: Oh, okay. Well, see, I've avoided all that this season, so I didn't even hear that. Okay, so explain.
1: Oh, no. It's just like a lot of fans are speculating that, like, you know, the doctor knows what's going to happen. He knows how, what's going to happen. He's losing the pawn soon. But uh, a lot of people are like, uh, wondered, or I, I can't talk. Um, a lot of people wondered if the doctor felt responsible for their divorce, and that's why he tried so hard to get them met together in Asylum at the Dalets. Because huh. you know he put their house across the street from a uh, playground, you know, expecting them to have kids, and expecting them to make more like probably future wives for him and stuff. And <laughs> 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 sorry,
0: <laughs> it's true they are his in laws. I, I I always forget to think about that. That is his father in law and mother in law, technically.
1: Yes, and every pond has kissed the doctor.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's something for that. Was the mother, as uh, Amy's mother, kissed him?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, not. Or I'm um, well. Of yeah, Amy, Roy, and River, they've all kissed him.
0: Okay, yes, that 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 clan of the Bonds. Okay, I was just trying to think. It was like during the wedding episode, did Mom kiss him? Anyway,
1: that would be a great moment of the bomb episode or the uh, wedding episode, though.
0: Well, it's better than uh, than uh, Rose's mom slapping him all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> see, I miss Jackie. I just I want to see what would happen if Jackie would just suddenly just appear randomly, and he'd just be like, "God, no, good, she doesn't recognize me." I'm going to ninja away against the wall. I, I'm,
0: scared. I'm holding out hope that during the fiftieth year, meaning next year, we will still, or I guess the other half of this season, whichever we want to look at it. Um, I'm hoping we'll see some a lot of old supporting cast members like that. Like you know, Jack. Jackie would be great. I mean, well, Jackie the... is a mafia character. He was first in, you know, um, the one with
1: the, the World War Two with the masks. <laughs> I forgot. Empty yeah. child. He,
0: that was his first episode. It was a Moffitt episode. So, yeah. Oh, I was cool. thinking Jackie. You're talking about Jack. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, but I would Rose
2: like
0: Jackie, too. Rose's mom's real name is Jackie. That's what I was thinking of. I can't remember her character's name, though. Um, ah, whatever. Rose's mom. Is so, it Jackie? Jackie is it Jackie? Has. Yeah, Jackie. I'm, to, I'm confused. All right. Doesn't really it's matter. Okay. It's okay. We're I talking about Pond Life.
1: Pond Life. But, yeah, it was a really good, like, because it I, – I can see if you hadn't seen Pond Live getting that slap in the face in the first episode, like, oh, my God, they're divorcing.
0: Why? Right. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah, because when I watched it, um, you know, I watched it with my family, and, you know, everyone was like, you know, like, first of all, my kids were like, what's going on with Amy? Why she looks so weird when she was doing the modeling shoot? Because she did look pretty crazy in a couple of those shots with the hair all teased up. But uh, just seeing Amy and Rory, like, trying to – Help my six year old daughter understand why Amy and Rory weren't together. She was just like, What's happening? She was pretty upset about it.
1: See, As was I. I. So I was like with a bunch of friends and watching it at, at a midnight release of the episode. <laughs>
0: gotcha. And was that part of the uh, Brit track?
1: Uh, I think it was a part of, Hey, we have a free room and we have the new episode, so come watch it.
0: I see. Well, last year, um, they actually, it, it was. It wasn't the season premiere. It was, like, somewhere in the middle of the season last year when Dragon Con came along. And they got special permission from the BBC to screen it at Dragon Con the same night, live. And Matt Smith even recorded an intro for it where he was basically saying hello hello to everyone at Dragon Con. Wow. Matt Smith said the words Dragon Con. Amazing.
1: <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't that because, like, I remember when I went to the Doctor Who panel, um, like, the the Sunday or something mm-hmm. like Or, no, it was... What day is it? Yeah, it would have been Sunday. Um, the guy was, was trying his best not to talk about spoilers because the two panelists, one had seen the episode and the other one had not. So there I was see. this weird dichotomy of them trying not to talk about it, but they both really wanted to talk about it. So that night <laughs> on Sunday night, when I finally saw it, I was able to look back at the panel and go, Oh, that's what you were talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Asylum of the Daleks then.
1: It was good. Uh, I, it was Mmm. <laughs> just, <laughs> she you're just savoring,
0: savoring the savoring the flavor there like a fine wine
1: it was just yeah because it, it was a really good opener now it was it wouldn't be a good opener if you know if it was your first time ever watching dr who but then i don't know why you're starting on season seven true <laughs> but it was for for people like us who know the show who have been with the pawns who have followed Matt Smith and like know the Daleks and know why they're scary and like crazy and stuff like that. It was a really good episode. I felt sympathy for Daleks, which I've never done before.
2: <laughs>
0: um, it was, it was very, uh, it was very, uh, what am I trying to say? It was definitely very uh, continuity heavy. As you said, so I mean, if you if it's your first time, you probably couldn't get all of it, you know, especially with who's Amy and Rory. Why should I care that they're not together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As a longtime fan, I loved seeing a lot of the old Daleks wandering around. Like I, I wish we'd seen more of them, but uh, I can't remember. Have you ever seen any of the Sylvester McCoy stuff?
1: I only saw a few episodes.
0: Okay, well, in remembrance of the Daleks, which was the 25th anniversary of Doctor Who, they they brought out what was called the Special Weapons Dalek, which was his. Dalek with head of his badass cannon. Just this huge cannon. And he was like kind of a tank of Daleks. And he was in Asylum of the Daleks. We saw him for just the briefest of moments. And then there was another scene where you could see from the side, one of the original Daleks from the old series as well. Um, I had been told that supposedly Asylum of the Daleks was supposed to feature every Dalek from every era, which is amazing, you know, for every Dalek because they've had a bunch of, even if it's a small little modifications over the years. But, um... I didn't really see as many of the old school Daleks as I was kind of looking forward to. Like I was really ho- hoping to see a bunch of them, but still, it was a fun episode. It was nice to see the Russell T. Davies Daleks versus what I call the Skittle Daleks. Uh, <laughs>
1: the iPod Dal- Daleks.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm not a fan of the Skittle iPod Daleks. Um, so it was nice to see the Russell T. Davies ones. And I and also it kind of makes me think that maybe they 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 saw that the 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 rainbow flavor of of Daleks didn't go over well because there was so many of the. You know uh, Russell T Davies Daleks present the gold ones, and then yeah, I
1: was wondering about that because like weren't the skittle ones you know like they're like were they pure Daleks you know? Right. And then they killed all the unpure ones, so why are they not having that same mentality in this world? Because exactly. Russell I mean, T Davies ones were definitely not pure Daleks anymore.
0: Yeah, the the asylum. I understand that why they left all those. They they made their point. They explained why they left those Daleks alive. But on board the mothership, there were tons yeah, of you know, yeah RTD Daleks. There were tons of them. So it was, uh, you know, didn't quite mesh up with the old, but that's okay. I'd rather see those anyway. Hopefully we'll just, we'll forget the Skittled Alex, or maybe it'll be the Bossed Alex. I don't know. Whatever. But, great episode. I mean, obviously, you know, the big thing to talk about is Jenna Louise Coleman, who played Oswin Oswald.
1: Oswin! How is she coming back?
0: I don't know. Um
1: you one wh- thing if you saw her escape? And I was like, oh, it makes sense. But she exploded. How is she coming back as the companion?
0: Well, well... I mean, there's some obvious ones you can guess. He travels with her before she ever becomes the Dalek, and if that's the case, then we know she has a horrible, tragic end. Which is, I mean, imagine if the Doctor meets her. Now he never met her face to face, so he doesn't actually know who she is. Like he knows, I guess he got he probably got her name. I would say Uh, I'd have to go back and watch for sure. I'm I'm pretty sure he got her name, but he never saw the you know the 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 Raven-haired Oswin. He only saw the Dalek. Oswin. So if he meets her and he realizes who she is, he's going to know that eventually what's going to happen to her. But he meets people every day that he knows what's going to happen to him. You know, he's, he's probably met Abraham Lincoln and he knows full well that he's going to get shot in the head. So, I mean, he's used to dealing with this, but as the audience, that creates a lot of good drama. You know, I could even see a whole, you know, the whole season set up, the second half of the season setup being he meets her, they travel together and he's doing everything he can to change history to make sure she doesn't die. Uh, they did that in the Big Finish audios with a couple of different characters where the Doctor purposely changed history to keep something bad from happening. And um, I could see where that would make for some good drama, make for some good timey-wimey stuff where he, you know, he's fiddling with history. Get, like,
1: I wonder if it would get a Water and Mars ending then, where like he might save her from becoming a Dalek, but then she has to... Because time would then be starting to mess up because it's a fixed point or something like that, that she would have to s- somehow die or be destroyed somehow.
0: Well, I mean, just like what happened with Rose's dad. You know, same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You don't fuck with time. Sorry. Okay. So, I don't know. But certainly, I mean, you know, we're sitting here watching the episode, and I'm like, looking at her, I'm like, A, forgive me, sorry, I'm a guy. That girl's super cute. And B... She is
1: super cute.
0: I, I would throw her down. Oh, absolutely. She's so insanely adorable. But um, she's
1: smart and funny and witty.
0: Yep. She, she can keep pace with him.
1: That's why she was casted.
0: Well, okay, here's where I get into my speculation. And maybe you know facts because, you, like you said, you've been following this closer than me. There have been situations before where they cast a companion not to compliment the doctor that they've currently got, but knowing that the doctor's heading out and this companion compliments the new doctor better. For example, uh, the character of Perpagillian Brown, Perry, she, she first appeared with the fifth doctor, with Peter Davison. She wasn't designed to compliment Peter Davison. She was designed to compliment Colin Baker. Mm-hmm. So what if, you know, Oswin Oswald is really designed to compliment, Who you know, if, let's just say, what if Matt Smith's leaving at the end of this season, which he could, never know. I, I, I hope he's not. I'd like to think he'll hang around for I, the 50th anniversary. I read
1: something that he's through at least the next season.
0: Okay. Well, there you go. Even better Definitely. then. Cause, uh, okay. Well, she did, either way, she still does. She does compliment Matt Smith well because she can keep up with him as far as uh, the speed of how fast she talks.
1: And and uh, I think it was Moffat that said that's why they complimented her. They, they uh, casted her because she could keep up with Matt Smith. And cool. she was on pace with him the entire time, and they wanted somebody who could talk just as fast as the doctor, if not faster.
0: <laughs> well, so I'm watching it, and I can't help but notice how adorable she is. And then at the same time, I went, oh, my gosh, that's the new companion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I guess she's going to travel with, you know, at that point I'm thinking she's going to travel with Rory and Amy and she'll be the transition girl, you know, or whatever. She'll be the transition girlfriend. What do you call that? I don't know. Anyway. And uh, so, yeah, the (laughs) ending was quite shocking. Definitely pulled on the heartstrings. Didn't get me to cry, but definitely pulled on the heartstrings.
1: Hearing hearing a Dalek cry was, like, traumatizing.
0: (laughs) Aw. No,
2: that
1: that sound, though, like, it it sounded... You know
0: that Dalek voice?
2: It's so just metallic and, and robotic, but to hear it crying? Yeah. Crying? Well if,
0: hear, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't want to hear weird things like Daleks crying, you should try the Big Finish audios. Um, they're the Doctor Who audios. There have been like a billion Dalek episodes. And mm-hmm. uh, Nick, gosh, what's his name? Nick Big Briggs? I think it's, yeah, Nick Briggs, the guy who does the, all the Dalek voices. He started on Big Finish, and he's still doing Big Finish. So all the Dalek voices on Big Finish are the genuine Daleks from the show. And they've done crazy stories with Daleks over the years. They've got ones where they're reciting Shakespeare and all this stuff. And um, so if you want to hear a wide variety of Daleks doing stuff, I would recommend Big Finish.
1: Oh, huh. okay. I'm so. a big fan.
0: So, yes, uh, Asylum of the Daleks had a very heartbreaking ending. Um,
1: favorite part? Yeah. What's your favorite part?
0: Um jeez probably um I don't know that's tough uh, it was some st- most of the osman scenes really I, I was really caught up in that character quite a bit i've always been this way i've always been the kind of guy that wants the new companion to start or I used to, when I used to watch Star Trek Next Generation, every time there'd be kind of a cool supporting character, I'd be like, boy, I hope he joins the crew. I've always been that kind of guy that wants new people on board. So It's, it's all like the scene...
1: Charlie Sparrow, but this time we're actually getting her, thank Jesus.
0: Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. What about you? What's your favorite?
1: Hmm. The one part, because it, it was one part that I, I went back and watched over and over again, especially as I was on Tumblr after a while and more people started analyzing this one scene – and the more I looked back at it, I realized how deeply moving and beautiful it was. And it was the scene where Amy had already been infected by the little nano whatevers, and she was walking to the room and she saw all the people. And it turns out that they were all actually Daleks, but you saw like the two people touching and holding hands, and the one girl like dancing in the background. And you look back and you know where the girl was dancing. It's a Dalek spinning in circles. And two Daleks are, like, touching, like, section cup thingies. And oh. I just thought how tragic that scene was. The more I thought about it, you know, they're in metal cases. Like, I don't know how they reproduce or anything. But, like, they're squishy balls of gross that probably never touch. And it was just such a human scene. Like, one Dalek was, like, inviting her in. Like, one of the people were... And like one, like the one was dancing, like it it thought it was, you know, beautiful and dancing. And then I thought more and more about the Daleks of how they think these such human tendencies, like wanting to touch and wanting to dance was, you know, bad. And they have that even that wonderful line that, you know, where the doctor's like, I'm so disgusted with you. You think, you know, hatred is beautiful. And they're like, well, that's why we can never kill you, you know. Right. Which was such a good line. Such a good line. I'm gonna have to go uh, back
0: and rewatch that one because I didn't even notice that scene in, in such detail, you know. Um It's such so that, that's a really... short th-
1: it wasn't until Tumblr like broke it down and was like looking at each individual person and what they were doing in that scene. But it, that that scene became such a beautiful moment because that's when I felt real sympathy for the Daleks and these these poor people who were like they were considered broken, but they were actually the most human of this race.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting. <laughs> um, now I'm going to go the other direction and say there were two things in the episode that I didn't thrill me. Um, and actually one's not really in this episode but as a result of this episode. Um, I felt like Amy and Rory's reconciliation was fine in Asylum of the Daleks. But beyond- after that, it just seemed like everything was back to normal.
2: Yeah. So it
0: seemed a little too quick. Now admittedly, they, they, you know what? I'm going to have to take that back because they kept going home. I forget. They went home after every episode. So they had time for the reconciliation. You know, I rescind my comment. Never mind. Uh, the other thing I wasn't a big fan of was um, the humanized Alex, where, like, the, the eye stalk would come out of their foreheads and stuff.
1: Yeah, it, it was little, creepy when it was on the world. That was fine. But when it was on the mothership, that was weird.
0: just seemed a little silly, yeah. And the zombie ones, it was like, okay, I, I get that Walking Dead is really popular, and you're trying to, you know, make a little money off that, but come on. That was just my take on it.
1: Yeah, don't. And then my thing was, like, of course, Amy would be the one to lose her little bracelet thing. And, of course, Rory would be like, oh, I will save you because I'm the centurion. Because, like, honestly, Rory's the sweetest man ever. I I don't understand why she... Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know.
0: We, do, we don't need to have a conversation about uh, <laughs> going that direction.
1: <laughs> I saw the best, like, feminist rant against Amy in that episode. And then... It, it, it had a equally wonderful retort, it was like, you know, oh, Amy, such a terrible character, Moffat can't write female characters at all because she loved him because she couldn't have a baby and she didn't feel like she was enough of a woman. And the other person was like, no, she wanted to provide a family, and it's okay to not feel good enough that you can't do this. And she wanted Rory to find something better. <laughs> But it, it ended up like a lot of people had a huge amount of backlash at Moffitt to the point where he left Twitter.
0: See, that's ridiculous. That's just nuts. He, uh... I'm, I'm
1: so sad. Like him and Amanda Abington, who, um, if you don't know, is Martin Freeman's partner. And uh, Martin Freeman worked with Moffitt on Sherlock. Um, but uh, Amanda Abington was defending him because people, like, was she defended him and being, she's a feminist herself. And she's like, I wouldn't be friends with him if, and I'm a feminist, and she got some... She left Twitter, too, from Fan Backlash, which is sad, because she's my queen. Amanda Abington, you are my queen, and I pledge my allegiance to you always. You and Louise Breeley.
0: Now, if we're going to get into a discussion about Amy, which we probably don't need to have, but I, I got all kinds of things to gripe about Amy. Not the way she's written, not that she's a bad feminist character, just that she makes some bad choices, just like everyone else in the world. For mm-hmm. example, trying to sleep with the doctor the night before her wedding was pretty shitty, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a whole discussion to have with all of that, but anyway. <laughs> so, but she I, loves Rory clearly, and she would never do anything to hurt him, and that's clearly why she let had him leave.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, right.
1: Amy. I don't know how I thought about Amy. I uh, Rory, I just loved progressively equally the entire season. I always wanted more of Rory because I his relationship with the doctor interests me because you know Amy. And, and the doctor always have such a strong relationship. Like the female and the male companion the, the female companions and the doctor always have such really well developed relationships and I always want more from the male companions because you've never like even with Jack and Nine, like he Jack was only there like like three or four episodes and then would pop up randomly through Tenet. Like there's not a lot of male companions in New Who. And when they are, they usually tend to focus on the female companion.
0: Honestly yeah we're not just talking new who we're talking the history of doctor. There's only one male companion that has ever been like a genuine friend of the doctor. I would say, and I mean, redhead, com- right? Uh, no, he had brown hair, but I would say Jamie, this guy, the Highlander. Um, no Turlo. He hated Turlo all the time. He was never nice to Turlo. He treated Turlo like shit. And that's because Turlo tried to kill him. But, um,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not
0: kidding. He was, he was a bad guy for the first few episodes he was in, uh, secretly trying to betray the doctor. But um, Jamie was the companion to the second Doctor, um, Patrick Troughton's, and Jamie was with him almost the entire time there. And they were genuinely, like, friends on the show. You could see it. Their characters were a bit mischievous together. Um, they were they were buds. Beyond that, every male companion has been, like, tolerated by the Doctor. Even, the, you know, whether it be the first Doctor, the who had Steven, and he had Ian, and he had um, Ben... I mean, there's, there's been a number of male companions, but all of them have just been tolerated by the doctor, <laughs> with the exception with the exception of Jamie and maybe Rory. Rory still falls in a little bit of that tolerating area, but because yeah, it's always like Mickey. Amy, 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 oh, oh, in the Roman, yes, hello, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, at least he's not Mickey. Mickey was the dog.
0: Ugh, still don't like Mickey. See, but, I
1: like Mickey. He never had a chance,
0: and rightfully so.
1: Uh, But when he had his moments, he was awesome. Like he was badass, and it's not like you know he fought for the woman he loved. You know he was in love with Rose, and he was he watched her slip away, and he let her her go to have a better life because he knew he couldn't provide it.
0: I I liked Mickey the best when he was actually traveling in the TARDIS. I didn't like him before he was traveling in the TARDIS, and then I thought after he left the TARDIS disappearance, I thought they were too like. Heavy handed that he was a badass. I just felt like they were trying too hard to tell us he was a badass. Yeah, so it was
1: capped to- to- with him and Martha being like Rambo together.
0: Right, exactly. So, my that favorite guy, moments it. with Mickey were when he was actually traveling in the TARDIS for a few episodes. Those were good. But I'm anxious to move on to the next episode because it is, without a doubt, my favorite episode of the season and possibly one of my favorite episodes in the last few years.
1: I loved it. I, I saw so much backlash about this episode. But I was, Those... it was the one I was looking forward the most to.
0: What backlash was What? What idiots were complaining about this?
1: I don't know. It was Tumblr. It was the Internet.
0: Uh, well, the Internet was complaining. Well, the Internet doesn't have a name, so screw it. Um, this episode was just fun from start to end. Mark Williams, who played Brian Williams, you know, um, Rory's dad. Oh, my God. He was brilliant.
1: Wait, Shag, that awesome impression you did of the doctor of this episode of his wonderment. You have to do it again to introduce okay. this episode. Go. Yeah,
0: um, dinosaurs on a spaceship.
1: <laughs> Yay! OK, go on.
0: It's just that sense of wonderment it's great uh rory 's dad is like the character find of the season, you know until we meet Osmond officially, uh, as far as i 'm concerned brian williams is the, is the character find of the season he's hysterical, he is so funny he Him so
1: and f- Wilfred Mott would be best friends
0: oh my gosh, yes yeah they they'd be like neighbors you know you know sharing tools over the fence or something well, but, Donna
1: did this well, Amy and Rory did this right. exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> Um, man, I loved that character. He just, he made that whole episode a hoot. And then, you know, we got some guest stars in this episode.
1: <laughs> Waiting
0: yeah, for the squee there somewhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the best line when he was, was when Rupert Graves was just like, I should put you over my knees, spank you. And my first gut reaction was, yes, please.
0: Oh Lord. <laughs> you know, I couldn't place him when I watched it. I was like, I know this guy, I can't place it, I can't place it, I can't, for whatever reason, I, I, I was so into his character that I bought him 100% as the big game hunter, and couldn't place him until later, I'm like, oh, duh, Lestrade, I, I duh, totally didn't see it.
1: The entire lead-up of that, where people were like, oh my god, the fandoms are crossing, you know, because Eccleston's in Thor 2, Lestrade's and Sherlock, are Lestrade's and Doctor Who... Doctor Who shit is starting to cross over to Sherlock. Like, it's, like, in uh, Martin Freeman's The hobbit It's, like, all the fandoms are, like, getting wibbly, bobbly, tiny-wimey, and it's beautiful. Because then we get Super Who Avengers Lock, and it's awesome.
0: <laughs> well, Doctor Who's always been, like, ever since it came back, has always been full of guest stars. It's just not from shows any of us know. So, it's, like, because there's only, like, six British actors. There's, like, six of them, if you'd really like. And, like, like They're ten sense in- Exactly. <laughs> so, um... They, they have guest stars all the time. It's just we didn't pick up on it other than, you know, like really obviously Simon Pegg in an early episode. But, you know, after that, you start looking around. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Once you really become a lot more familiar with British stuff, you're like, oh, Derek Jacobi, holy shit, he's really big news. Or um, the woman who the doctor yeah. fell in love with in the, the Family of Blood. You're like, oh, she's in all the Simon Pegg stuff. You know, just
1: mm-hmm.
0: act, you know, and, and this is a case with this season where us Americans happen to know a lot of these people. So,
1: yeah, because the guy who played Filch in Harry Potter was the bad guy in this episode. So a yeah. lot of Harry pot like Harry Potter references started popping up on the internet for this episode, <laughs> where where it had like Arthur Weasley running around going, "Doctor, where's Molly? I don't know. Why is Filch here?"
0: Oh, jeez. Okay. You know, I didn't even think about the fact that both of them were from Harry Potter. I I, was, I knew he was Filch and I knew he was Arthur Weasley, but I didn't put the two together. Oh, Look at that. That's ah, I
1: win this round. <laughs>
0: yay! Yeah, yeah, you win.
1: Yeah. I win. Yay! <laughs>
0: Now is uh, the actress who played Queen Nefertiti. She was great. I mean, she She, play, she pulled that character off really well.
1: You knew they had sex afterwards.
0: Uh, which characters? The Doctor and her, or uh, the no,
1: the... her and Riddell.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh. He the was. Fun he thing was. Is,
1: what happens when the TARDIS leaves and their translation thing goes away?
0: Oh, that's true. That's a good point.
1: <laughs> well, you don't need words for sex.
0: Well, you know, if you want to be honest, the TARDIS has pretty much been in every time period. So while it may have left them, it's probably over on the other side of the world with, I don't know, Patrick Trotten running around. So, you know, maybe that counts. Um, I just – I one of the things I loved about this episode is, is – my my big um, – I'm rambling. Can't even finish the sentence. I'm a big fan of the Doctor Who expanded universe. Uh, I have, like, over – no exaggeration, I'm not getting like over 300 doctor who novels that are expanded universe novels. Um, I've got Jesus, I don't know, two, um, 200 of the big finish CDs. I mean, just lots of expanded universe stuffs. kind of my, my thing. And a lot of those stories take place in between episodes. You know, it's like, that's how they wedge it in. Like, you know, the Sixth doctor will have a whole companion for eight stories that we never saw on TV, whatever. Well, this was a perfect example of expanded universe kind of stuff happening right there in the show. You know, the doctor, wedged in some adventures with Nefertiti you know, in between episodes like, holy crap, that's so cool that this kind of stuff happens. And uh, I love to think about all the adventures the Doctor has in between episodes. So this made me very happy to see that.
1: I don't even know where to begin. It was, I, it was, just, it was just a fun episode. I think because like, Asylum of the Daleks was such a heavy episode. It was nice to have such a fun episode. It was, it was the nice adventure, like woo-woo-woo episode of the season.
0: Absolutely, and they did a nice job of acknowledging, like, previous stuff, like, just the nod to the Silurians. You didn't have to know anything about the Silurians. You know, you didn't have to be someone who had seen all those episodes to understand that, okay, there's some lizard race that built a ark. Didn't matter. That's all you needed to know, and you could go forward with this episode. Uh, I just absolutely loved that. I thought that was great. Nice nod to, you know, earlier episodes and other characters.
1: It's the only episode that makes you feel sympathy for a dinosaur.
0: Right, Totally. Exactly. Yeah, I thought, I thought uh, Solomon made a great bad guy. Now, my only question there is, is the doctor was perfectly fine killing him. I mean, he straight up killed Solomon. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty far of a step for him. You know, um, but
1: someone one of my friends commented because they they were watching a Town Call Mercy, and we'll we'll get to this um in a minute. But earlier in the David Tennant final episode, you know, he held a gun towards the other Gallifreyans, and they were like, "Can you shoot?" And he was like, "Probably not." You know, he would never shoot a gun and stuff like that. Um, but and then in a Town Call Mercy, we see him pointing a gun at uh, the cyborg guy, and you know, that's a huge character development, but then in the same episode you know amy is like this is why you shouldn't travel alone because a lot of time has passed between last season and this season he went from being 900 to 1200 or 1100 to 1200
0: but Mm. even then,
1: in the course of several episodes or several seasons like he was 900 in his in matt smith's first season and now he's 1200 so a lot of time has passed for the doctor and most a lot of it according to amy and Rory, he's been alone
0: yeah yeah
1: So it it actually didn't
0: surprise me. Well, it's a theme that was explored too with David Tennant about how he shouldn't travel alone. They made a big deal about that when he um, when he met Donna the first time too. Mm -hmm. By the way, I got I got to mention I'm doing some research just now. I the guy who wrote this episode is named Chris uh, Chibnall. I guess is how you say it. And
1: Chris Chibby, Chibby would
0: be. There we go, Chibby. So Chibby wrote this one. He also wrote The Power of Three, which is another great episode, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back and looked. I didn't know what else he'd done. It turns out he wrote 42, which was a David Tennant episode.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I'm all looking the at it
1: point, too.
0: With the suns and everything. And then he wrote The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood, which were the other Silurian episodes, which aren't bad. They're not the best, but they're not bad. So He
1: wrote my favorite episode of Torchwood.
0: He wrote Pond Life, too, by the way. Yeah. So this guy has – he's hit my radar as being a writer that I dig. What episode of Torchwood did he write?
1: Uh, countryside.
0: That's a fucking amazing episode. <laughs> it's
1: the best episode of Torchwood.
0: <laughs> watch Country. I always tell people the way to watch Countryside is alone in your house at night when it's dark, go unlock your front door and then watch it. <laughs> because in the back of your mind, the whole time you'll be like, oh, Christ, the door's open. Oh, God, the door's unlocked. Oh, God. Oh-. You, won't be- you will not be able to get comfortable. It's perfect. So, anyway, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship is an absolute win. Um One of my, I gotta really think about it. But it's one of, it's definitely one of my favorite episodes of the season. It's one of my favorite episodes the last few years. It just had so much stuff. It was great.
1: I really want Riddell to come back because he's just such a fun character. I want to see Riddell with Oswin. I want to see Riddell with Jack Cartness.
0: Well, you get the impression, and I'd have to read. Now you've watched it a couple times. Maybe you you, know, you caught this better than me. It almost sounds like Riddell had traveled with the Doctor before, or at least had had adventures with him before.
1: Yeah, cause, cause when the doctor goes to pick him up, he's like, "Where have you been? I had two bitches in my tent, and you weren't here, but it's okay. I can handle two bitches." I mean, like, he, like he, they clearly know each other, but I mean, we just don't know how.
0: I don't. Yeah, he he seemed to be, again, I'd have to go back and watch it, but he seemed to be pretty well accepting of all the shit that was going down around him with you know, yeah, traveling he had no space. No
1: problem going to space.
0: <laughs> right. Again, Nefertiti traveling with the doctor is freaking brilliant. I love that. So. The, Good episode. Um, I really, 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 happy with that one. All right. So,
1: a town called Mercy. Did you notice how the titles progressively got darker throughout the season? Like, of course, it was that like, the Doctor Who logo t- change. But if you look at all the titles from the first episode to the last episode, they got darker and darker, and the shades changed.
0: Oh, you and mean like- the actual colors? I see. Okay. Yeah. I did not notice that. I didn't watch them back to back. I watched them like one week at one at a time, so I didn't really catch that. Um, The new logo. What do you what do you think about the new logo?
1: I don't. Oh, there is a new logo, isn't there?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't really that understand was... why.
1: Right, I did like it for like because it was such a short season. I thought it was kind of cool to have like the logo with like the little theme of the episode. But I don't want to see it continue forever and always on end.
0: Wait, explain. You, you know mean, how logo? it
1: was like Doctor Who, and it had like you know, like the dinosaur print. Or then or it had the cubes or it had like, you know, the Statue of Liberty theme. Like when it actually said the Doctor logo Who logo did? Yeah, like the words that said <laughs> Doctor Who had like different background color shag. Every I totally week. didn't
0: pick up on that.
1: Let me see if I can find this for you. I'm, I I'm, I'm yeah,
0: there. I'm gonna I'm gonna need some assistance here.
1: <laughs> what oh the God. fuck? <laughs> I have every right. This is my show, damn it. You're a dumb fuck. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm looking at one now that's green and looks like l- maybe lizards. That's uh, dinosaurs on a spaceship. And that's, okay. Holy shit. Okay. I, I totally didn't pick up on that. Again, because I, I watched one an episode, or one a season. Or I mean, one a week. Okay, Here's a Tumblr thing.
1: Yeah, here's, Tumblr.
0: You're addicted to Tumblr. You gotta, it's a sickness.
1: Oh, my God. It's my life.
0: Okay, so here's... Well, that's Angels Take Manhattan. That one's green. Oh, because it's Statue of Liberty.
1: Yeah. I'll be damned. Yeah, everyone had a different one.
0: This, uh, You're column of the
1: Daleks was the Daleks, like little eggs.
0: I totally didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Captain Oblivious. It's alright. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, moving misled this one. On. Yes, I uh, so did a town not. I,
1: call I... Mercy. What's that? A town Call Mercy?
0: Town call Mercy, um, a decent episode. Good. Um, you I know, liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. I'm sorry, I, I did like it. Uh, and seeing Ben Browder was just awesome. I mean, I'm so glad that they finally got an American to play an American actor. You know, playing. I actor. know. Now it's not love fair.
1: Garfield because like, you know he was Spider-Man stuff like that, but he has such a terrible Tennessee accent in those like uh, Dalek and... New York City David Tennant Martha episodes.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just some of those some of those previous actors now obviously John Barrowman is a real American, but I mean a lot of Americans they get though are just like not good. So other than oh, oh. um the guy who was in uh last season, uh the agent that was so good, um uh, from Lost. Oh shit, his name's just totally escaping me. He was brilliant. He's an American also. Mm-hmm. Um you know I, I
1: had one more thing about dinosaurs on the spaceship that I wanted to oh, talk about. Do it. The sassy robots. Oh, they were they were. I, okay. I got a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They all I could think of was Marvin. Mm. They were like Marvin's distant cousins, which made it all the more funnier to me.
0: I can get on board with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm sure your listeners are screaming right now because I can't remember the name of the guy who uh, played the agent in that in that episode. Oh well, I'm totally blanking. I can't remember the name of the name episode. It was the one where the Doctor goes and meets Nixon? What is that? Astronaut. Oh,
1: I don't know. That was last season. I, like I said, I really didn't give a flying crap about last season.
0: Oh wow, that much. Hey, well, I, I, quit, I, I need quit to texting discuss. other people. Quit texting other people. You're talking to me I'm now, damn it. Looking
1: up Doctor Who logos and colors and stuff.
0: I'm fi- I'm talking about Mark Fucking Shepard who played Canton Delaware, who was awesome. You talking
1: about Mark Shepard?
0: All right, Mark Shepard was brilliant. Either way, Ben Browder in Town Called Mystery was great. He was so cool. I mean I'm a fan of Farscape. I'm a fan of Stargate SG one. So seeing him was a total joy for me. I just was like I, I, I was like a total nerd fanboy the whole way through. I'm like, it's me! you know, I couldn't I couldn't stop being as excited. So did you what did you think of Town Called Mercy? You liked it?
1: I liked it. I mean there there was not an episode this season I didn't like. Um it was it was up there as probably one of my favorites. Um It had a lot of calling backs to other episodes, like, you know, um, shit, what was that episode? Oh, fuck, I'm dropping stuff on my keyboard. Um, What was that episode? Uh, Midnight. It had a very midnight feel, but in the Wild West. How? they cut panicking people in a town that can't escape, like, they're all trapped in this one era, and they're panicking. And it really shows how scary humans, the humans became more scarier than the cyborg.
0: Okay. I totally get that. Yes. Uh, the the danger being not the the monster, but what humans do to each other. Yeah, I get that. Okay. Because yeah, Midnight's one of my absolute favorites. So that's why. Was
1: Midnight was one there. of those episodes that I had to, it, I watched the first time. and I was like, this is awesome. Wait, no plot happened. And then when I watched it again, like it really sunk in how much, how good it really was. Like it took me two watchings to get it because I was looking for the plot and yeah. nothing happened. <laughs> and then I was just like, oh, that's why it's scary.
0: Yeah, no, it was um, – I'm, I'm reading here on Wikipedia the critical response to it. They, it got a lot of very um, high marks from everyone. It said it was very weighty, very adult, very mature. Uh, I think I have to go back and watch it because I'm thought, not – Are
1: talking about Midnight or Town Called Mercy?
0: No, Town Call Mercy. Midnight okay. I could talk about for an hour if you want. But no, in this case, Midnight is totally the remake of a Twilight episode. And that, that, Maybe Twilight if we I ever said. do
1: a show shag, we should just start from the beginning and work our way through. we like Eccleston and work up.
0: Or we just pick the episodes we want to talk about, so we don't have to wait. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. Well, I also haven't seen most. Uh, I haven't seen most of season two with David Tennant. It's the only season I haven't actually really seen. You're,
0: you're so, so friggin' broken. You're so broken.
1: I know. I've only saw bits and parts of it, but I never actually sat down and watched the entire episode through.
0: Get off your ass and watch it. Uh, the The doctor, the 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 alien doctor, was a little too transparent for me. Like, I totally could see where that was going. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were probably supposed to feel that way, but, um, but the rest of it was great.
1: Let's talk Absolutely. about our doctor, though, because I mean, we, we were talking about it a few minutes ago. He had some really dark moments in this.
0: Yeah, he lost his shit. He totally lost his shit. And, uh, and, you know, following that up after Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's not as tolerant as he once was.
1: I wonder how much time has passed, you know, between these jumps between Amy and Rory. Like we don't know how many years it's been. Like there, I think at one point in the season he said it's been a few decades for him, but we don't actually know.
0: Well, they said it had been ten years for them. Like, it com- totally in the TARDIS traveling, they they had they estimate they had traveled for ten years inside the TARDIS. It just had been broken up a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't remember what he said. How long it had been, but yeah. Hmm.
1: Because he's tw- it was this episode that he said he was twelve hundred. And when he started with Amy, he was 300. So we know that a shit ton of time has passed. But I just don't know how much is spread out with the pawns.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I think I need to go back and watch this one because this one didn't – I didn't walk away with much from this one. And I think maybe it's it's a little deeper than I gave it credit for. Reading, like, the critical response here uh, that's listed and the themes, and I was like, you know – there's a lot more morality tale here going on here that I, I probably should get deeper because I'm not a deep guy. I don't do subtle real well, so I should watch it again and try and pick up some of that.
1: Yeah, I I saw, like, a lot of, like, little crossovers with Sherlock, because a lot of times in Sherlock, they'll, like, protect Jack's stuff on Bennett Cumberbatch's beautiful, gorgeous porcelain carved-out face, Adonis face, um, and so it was nice to see some of those, like, other shows, and, like, it felt like, you know, even though somebody, like, Toby Whitehouse, or Whitehouse, Whitehouse? Whitehouse, um, wrote it, you could tell that, you know, Moffat is the producer and it still has a very Stephen Moffat feel. I, I love the feeling, like the differences between Russell T. Davis and Moffat, like they just feel different, but it still feels like Doctor Who.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking the other day, like, I, I'm very much, a, you know, I use the word horror a lot, but I'm very much a whore for whatever's new in Doctor Who. Like, <laughs> I jump on that immediately, even, even when it was, um, you know, Paul McGann was the Doctor for 15 minutes. You know, I immediately jumped on that, and that was my Doctor I, for... You don't know, you know
1: how bad I want him to come back for the 50th anniversary. I love Paul McGann. I want him back. Then that's start I-
0: listening to the friggin' big finish CDs I keep telling you about. He's done like oh, a billion of them.
1: I know, and that's why he should come back.
0: In fact, did you ever see the pictures of he's, he's redesigned his costume and stuff? Have you seen <gasps> that? No. Yeah, he, um, he worked with a team or a designer and to, to redesign what he thought the eighth doctor should look like. Not, not to say that the other costume never happened, but to say that after he, cause he apparently was the eighth doctor for a long time and he went through the time war, you know? So he came, wanted to get a new look. So he designed a new look for himself. Um, when he worked with a designer, it was the doctor. He had short hair. Now he no longer had <gasps> the long hair. Wow! He, he was wearing sort of similar I, to that Victorian coat he was wearing, but it was like blue, that, but right? it's made of, what's that? Is it the blue
1: one? Is that what I'm looking at?
0: I don't know. Uh, does it look like a leather jacket?
1: Yeah, I'm going to shoot it to you, make sure it's right.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, as I'm talking to you, I'm ripping open the latest package of Big Finish CDs because I think it's in oh. here. Let me see. No, I'm wrong. It's not in here. It's coming up soon, though. Um,
1: I just shot you a link. Is that it?
0: Hang on. Give me a sec.
1: That's kind of, it's cool to see yes. if that is it.
0: It's actually not supposed to be a blue jacket. The lighting was just bad in that photo. It's black. It's a black leather jacket. It's sort of similar to the Edwardian jacket he wore in the TV movie, but it's made of leather. It's sort of a transitional jacket leading up to Christopher Eccleston. Um, What you can't see is his sonic screwdriver there is similar to Matt Smith's, except it's got lots of wood pieces. It's very steampunk. Uh, He's got a messenger bag he carries with him, too. And this was going to be... I'm going
1: to send you another picture. Okay. Like
0: that? Yeah, there you go. That's him. Yeah. So that was to be his – that's his concept for what the Eighth Doctor would eventually begin to look like, and that's leading into the Time War. And so um – um God, I'm totally off the rails. I don't remember where I was coming from. Oh, so I'm a whore for whatever's new in Doctor Who. So, like, for example, this kind of stuff with Paul McGann, I'm all about. You know, even back then in 96, I was all about Paul McGann, even though he's there for 15 minutes. So the point I'm trying to get to is that I'm all about Matt Smith right now. As much as I love David Tennant, I'm all about him. And when I think back to how different the show was under Russell T. Davies, it's almost like a whole different show. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got an entirely different vibe, an entirely different energy, an entirely different marketing strategy nowadays that – it just, I feel like when I watch the old episodes now, it's like, yeah, I still love them. But it's like, you know, they don't feel fresh. They don't feel modern. Like, this current stuff feels so modern.
1: Yeah. Like, I went back, I recently went back and we watched Donna's season. And yep. it, it, it felt, you know, it just, it was different, you know? I mean, I was re-watching Donna's season to lead up to this season. Also, a big reason, just because I love Donna. She's still one of my favorite companions. Um but it does. It has a totally different just vibe to it. It's it's mm-hmm. almost lighter. I feel like, I feel like you know we did see bits of like of a deeper doc, doc, doctor with uh, tenants, and especially with Eccleston. I I wish Eccleston was there more. I hope he can make it for the 50th anniversary. But I heard that he has Thor Two conflicts, so he won't be able to make it.
0: He's not. Um, he, he's not coming anyway. I mean, he came right out and said he would. You know, to, he was talking to some acting students. And they asked him that, and he said no. He said, "There's no way. You never go back." You you know, you finish a job and you move on. You know, you top it with him saying that publicly, that you you finish a job, you move on, you never look back. You look at him doing Thor 2, and you look at the fact that he hated the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, Russell T. Davies is gone, but he still hated the show. So, I mean, there's no way he's going to appear in the 50th special. And you know what? That fucking pisses me off because there's 50 years of history with this show. There's 50 Mm -hmm. years where the fans that you hear Tom Baker's even making an effort. To yeah, somehow Steven, make Yeah, and Sylvester
1: McCoy, I think, said that he would love to come back, too. And David Tennant's just like, you know, I have my jacket and my sonic screwdriver. I'm ready.
0: Well, um, uh, Sylvester McCoy, sadly, did say recently, he said, you know, he goes, I would absolutely do it, but I haven't been called yet. If I had been called, I couldn't tell you anything. But I haven't, so I can tell you that. I was like, Ugh. But in theory, that, w- you know, whenever it airs would be November of 2013. So they're probably, you know, I'm sure Moffat's already written it. It's in a drawer somewhere, but it's you know it's nowhere on a production schedule, so they may not have contacted anybody about scheduling it. Mm -hmm. And and maybe it'll just be Tom Baker. You know they don't they don't want to be too much a fan service because they do understand a lot of people didn't watch the old show, Mm -hmm. but or don't remember it at least. Although I'm willing to bet the old show probably had more viewers than the new show because there were less channels back then. (laughs) There's like three channels. It's,
1: (laughs) It's BBC's Cash Cow though. It's their baby.
0: It is right now. Yep. And so um, Town Cow of Mercy. I, I'm, I'm out of things to say on it other than I enjoyed it and I, I probably deserves a rewatch for me.
1: I, I liked it. I, I thought it was a good, good deeper set of the Doctor that, you know, leads into the Power of Three.
0: And you know what I realized today when I watched Pawn Life, um, which again, by the way, so Power of Three is written by Chib. That's just Chris Chibnall. And so was Pawn Life. That scene in Pond Life where the doctor bursts in in Amy and Rory's room. Goes, quick, get dressed, we've got to go. Oh, wait, you have no idea what I'm talking about. The future's fine, nothing to worry about. That's from the Power of Three. Because remember in the Power of Three, he kept coming back to their house to check on the cubes.
1: It was. That's
0: from Power of Three. That's, when, that's what he's talking about is Power of Three.
1: I wanted to talk to you about... I, I put it on our little outline-y thing about uh, time flowing weird in these episodes. Well, maybe we should go ahead and address that now. Have you? Did sure. you notice that at all?
0: Um, in regard to what, specifically? Okay, it
1: was two things. So, in one way, Amy and uh, Rory are aging with each episode. You know, they're going forward. They're getting older as yes. the episodes go. But then weird little things start happening. Like, there's one episode in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship... Nefertiti asks, are you a queen, Amy? And she goes, yes, yes, I am. Well, right. then, in a town called Mercy, Roy's like, well, you married King Henry VIII, or uh, we were in King Henry VIII's um, suite, and, and the doctor goes, well, you left your phone charger there. Well, then, in Power of Three, they're in King Henry VIII's uh, thing. Amy is accidentally a queen because she accidentally marries him, and if you look under the bed with Roy, his phone charger's there. So even though they're aging forward, the plots are going backwards. Hmm. Wow.
0: I do remember. I thought the old, I thought the statement took place in the same episode that it occurred, but I guess it didn't. Um, well, you know, I mean that episode in Power of Three. They were showing lots of. Well, no, that was supposed to be at that party, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. They so what you're saying? Sa- that party. So what you're saying is that a town called Mercy took place in the middle of Power of Three? Maybe. That's what it sounds like, because because uh, power what three if took all of power them 3 happened
1: took, during that. During we, both power 3.
0: we both can't talk, and it's your show, and I'm the guest. So you're gonna have to shut the fuck up. Um, okay. See how that works. I'll
1: let you go this time because I've been winning a lot, <laughs> so I'll let you win this time.
0: Yeah, you know. Um, so the uh, town called Mercy. I'm sorry. A uh, power of three took place over the course of like over a year. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would make sense that somewhere in there, the town called Mercy could have happened. Um, I think Dinosaurs I had... on a
1: Spaceship happens during that time too because they, they, those references started in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. It didn't happen in Asylum of the Daleks. So I'm thinking that A Town Called Mercy and Dinosaurs on a Spaceship both happened during a power, the Power of
0: Three. Dinosaurs on a Spaceship would be a little harder because a lot of things took place during that anniversary party of theirs when they mm-hmm. slipped away and they were gone for seven weeks. Um, but the doctor talked to Brian there and he met him during Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. So Dinosaurs on a Spaceship had to take place before that point. Because that Unless was the first time called. he'd met Brian.
1: That's true. Unless he's just oblivious like he always is.
0: The Doctor or Brian?
1: Uh, the Doctor.
0: I was going to say, don't speak ill of Brian Williams. We'll have a throwdown.
1: Oh, so. no, I will not. I would never. I want <laughs> him to come back always. I really do want a scene where him and Wolf are, like, best friends together. Because you like, have to think how hard it is with Wolf. Like, he can never talk about that with anybody, ever.
0: Well... You know, you've got both of them are dealing with this horrible thing that Will's you know knows the secret of Donna, and, and, and the mother's totally oblivious because she's just a bitch, and yes. she was sorry. And but then she you've is. got
1: she's, she's a bitch.
0: Oh, I, I despise that woman. And um, and then you've got poor Brian, who you know at least we got to see Wilf cry. We know what that we know the pain Will's going through. Brian, we never got to see him after Angels Take Manhattan. At least, well. I'm assuming, we, I'm assuming we won't. I can just picture him getting up in the doctor's face and probably trying to kick his ass for what he's done to his son and his daughter-in-law. You know, it's because it, he said, keep them safe, you know, or whatever he said. Um, now, admittedly, they are safe, and they're living in the 1930s, but still. Uh, oof. So we, we're off on a tangent there. So timey-wimey could be going on. You, know, you make a lot of sense there. Mm-hmm. That could very well be. Now, I will tell you, Power of Three was my first tier of the season. Guess when? Oh,
1: um, mm. I can go this one. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, actually. Oh, okay. oh, was it Brigadier? Brigadier's daughter?
0: It absolutely was. Now, for old, I don't know if that would affect anyone other than old school fans, but the moment. The, I mean, she showed up and said, Kate Stewart. I totally didn't get it. I totally didn't pick up on it. I just like, oh, look, it's the doctor's replacement, the new scientific advisory unit. But when he said, you know, don't give up or don't fear it, your dad never did. Boom. I just started, I didn't bawl, but tears starts running out of one of my eyes. And I put my hand in my face like a, you know, like a little girl. Like, ah! My wife's like, what? I'm like, oh, oh, it's the Brigadier's daughter. I was like a wreck. You know, it's the Brigadier's daughter. Um,
1: yeah, I admit I had to look it up. I was like, Kate Stewart. Like, it's I, I knew it was familiar, but I had to double check it to figure out what it was.
0: I just it, it, it took literally a millisecond from him saying your, your dad never did or your pop never did or whatever. And to, know, to figure out she dropped Lethbridge, to figure out that she's his daughter. To figure, you know, All these things just boom immediately happened in my head. And uh, I was just totally choked up. And I wasn't taken out of the episode, but that's really all I could think about. Because for me... Nicholas Courtney is on par with one of the doctors because he was so involved with Doctor Who for so many years. He sort of became the ambassador to the fans for a long time during what I call the wild years, which is 1996 to 2005, Mm -hmm. where Doctor Who just wasn't around. He He was sort of like an ambassador. He went to a lot of the conventions when they didn't have doctors, and he was sort of the big headliner, and he had all these great stories about the actors, and he was just an amazing guy. And uh, he narrated a lot of the specials, and uh, it just really, I kind of always thought I would meet him. And I kind of always figured it would be when I'd go to Gallifrey One, I'd meet Nicholas Courtney, kind of like something I've kind of expected to do my whole life. So when he passed away, it just destroyed me. I was so upset. So The actress who played Kate Stewart, by the way, is Gemma Redgrave, and she, uh, she is the niece of Vanessa Redgrave. Interesting tidbit.
1: Vanessa Redgrave?
0: my God. You're a child.
1: You're old.
0: I am old. I turned 40 this year.
1: <laughs> I turned 25.
0: <laughs> God. I bet my 40th birthday was cool and your 25th birthday.
1: What is it? No, I, my 25th birthday was Dragon Con.
0: Oh, I jumped out of here.
1: Yeah, my birthday falls on Dragon Con.
0: That's true. It does. I celebrated your birthday with you one time, sort of, for a few <laughs> minutes.
1: Now, tell me who Vanessa Redgrave is, because it sounds very familiar, and I'm pretty sure I know who she is.
0: Vanessa Redgrave is a, a very, very famous actress uh, who's been around for a gazillion years. Um, she's uh, – well, she's old now. Gosh, she was born in 1937? Seriously? Holy oh, God. I know who she is.
1: Yeah. I just wanted you to remind me. She's
0: I been guess. in, oh, yeah, because the interweb's your friend. She's been in a billion things. And here, you know, I'm actually stalling because I'm trying to remember, like, the big things she did. Because uh, I only knew her, like, by the 80s, you know. So, like, I, I, the 70s, all the stuff she did back there, I, I wasn't familiar with. But, you know, for more recent younger people, she's been in <laughs> growing up, did, She's in
1: Cars, too.
0: Probably. <laughs> she's you in know,
1: Cars.
0: <laughs> she's a well known political activist, she's been a famous actress. When she was younger, she was just drop-dead gorgeous.
1: Oh, she was in um, Atonement.
0: My God, I can't believe how old she is now. That's amazing. I guess it happens to everybody, huh? Um, anyway, Power 3 was a very fun episode. Um, it you was know, the it
1: voiceover was, episode.
0: The voiceover episode.
1: Because Rose had her voiceover episode, the episode before she died. And she was like, my name is Rose Tyler, and this is how I died. And then the next episode, she died. Quote-unquote died. Uh, and that's what this one was. Like, Amy was, was like, this is my story about how it was AP Pond, and I'm awesome, In the next episode, we're gone.
0: Interesting.
1: A voiceover episode, that means something bad happens in the next episode, and we cry.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Um, there were some fun nods in this one that um, they did, you know, an apprentice, you know, thing, which in America, you know, we're looking for, you know, what's his face? Uh, Trump. You know, over in England, I guess it's this guy, Lord Sugar. So I guess that's the real guy from the, the Apprentice show in England. Mm-hmm. You probably have some British listeners screaming at me going, No shit, Sherlock! Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brian Cox, who's an actual physicist, made, a, made an appearance talking about the origin oh, of the yeah. cubes. So, I mean, all that was pretty cool.
1: I was surprised uh, to see Brian because like, I was expecting Brian to just, just be in Dinosaurs on a spaceship. I was not expecting him to pop up again. You know, I thought he was just going to be a one-episode character. And then when he popped up again this episode, I was just like, Ah! Brian!
0: <laughs> I was punching the air and cheering when he showed up. I was just like, yeah!
1: <laughs> I I mean, he was just such a wonderful... Like, he's, you know, he sat there for three days <laughs> watching right. a cube in the TARDIS. Exactly.
0: He uh, He went immediately from being a character we'd never heard of are even considered to being like he's part of the doctor who canon now i mean he's 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 i mean all obviously anything that appears in the show is but i mean just he's for reals you know i mean he, he's he's part of the supporting cast as far as i'm concerned from now on so at least with amy rory episodes
1: i wish we just got to see more of him and roy's um relationship because we've seen so much of like the girl companions and their moms and how they affect them but we saw so little of his relationship with Rory, and, like, you can tell, you know Brian loves him and stuff. And there was that one line in Dinosaurs on the Spaceship where Rory was like, well, at least you get to see me in doing my job and stuff like that, Dad. And it almost sounded like there was something there, like, you know, I, like, he's a male nurse, and, like, maybe Brian wasn't always so supportive of that, because then why would Rory say, you know, at least you get to see me do my job? I mean, right. I wish we got to see more of him and Roy's relationship because we got so much bitchiness with the moms. Yeah. We never get to see the dads. <laughs> it's and true. I, was, I really wanted to see Matt or uh, the doctor traveling with Brian because you know they did. We just never got to see it.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Now, I'm sitting here reading some of the critical reception about this, and one guy referred to this episode as a nostalgic run through all the best bits of the Russell T. Davies era. And, you know, in some ways I can kind of see that because Russell T. Davies was very good about having things take place in, you know, the regular world. Like we saw a lot of Rose's regular world with the mom and and Mickey and shit like that. And you got this is really the first time we've hung out with Amy and Rory back home. Mm -hmm. So I can see some of that. There was some Russell T. Davies sort of in the episode. Was (laughs) it?
1: Was it the first big world invasion in the Moffat era? Because you know Russell T. Davis, every season finale, Earth was being invaded somehow. Was this the first big invasion of the Russell T. of the Moffat era? I can't remember.
0: Well, I mean, it depends what you mean by depends what you mean by. Okay, well, I was going to say depends what you mean by big invasion because like the very first Matt Smith episode had that giant eye, you know, sort of invading the Earth.
1: That's true, but it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like the world being stolen or the Slovene like taking over. The whole
0: world was not aware. That's fair to say. Oh, you know, yeah,
1: like, the silence. I forgot the silence. I, I forgot the silence. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I forgot the sh- silence. Oh, now, yeah, no, I take that back
0: then. Well, I mean, yes, the silence invaded, but they were, like you just said, no one remembers it, though. So... I feel
1: like looking around my room now in fear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're watching you. They're all hanging from the ceiling.
1: Oh, no, God. That Why was are these cre- marks that was appearing on my arms?
0: Totally creepy. <laughs> um what else is worth talking about? The powers of the cubes were clever. Um the the only thing that was a little off was the uh the fairy I mean the fairy tale nightmare bad guy, whatever they were called. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Oh the, the sh the sh,
0: sh- the ding dong, whatever they're called. The yeah, sh- I'm looking shakri. at it. I don't
1: know how to say it. The yeah. shockery?
0: I mean, the pest control idea was kind of cool. I like the idea that they left the cubes knowing the humans would take them into their nests. Like, that's totally perfect for pest control kind of stuff. That's clever. But, you know, the fact that they're, they're the they're the, fairy, the nightmare fairy tales that used, kids used on Gallifrey used to talk about. It's like, eh, okay. Um,
1: yeah, I didn't like the ending. That was the only thing. And they didn't save all the other people on the ship when it exploded.
0: Exactly. They didn't even try. They all just jumped out of there and it blew up.
1: Yeah. I didn't like that part. I was just like they didn't even try. Yeah. And the girl the, the little girl android like had how did no one in a hospital notice her for an entire year just sitting there?
0: Well, I got to assume she's got like what the Tardis has, the the baffle circuit or something that people oh, just Oh, that's didn't see true. Or, I'm just right. I'm just assuming that though. There's nothing that said that. Now, I'm trying to remember. I you know, honestly, I just watched this thing what, a week ago or 2 weeks ago. I can't remember how they beat the Shakri. how did he beat the Shakri?
1: Oh I'm looking it up. see I don't remember it either. That was like the one I liked the entire episode up to that point. I don't really remember much from that. The second wave kills the cubes. something about the Shakri states that he and the six other ships are tied to the outpost and the wipe out humanity, blah 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 blah. blah. the doctor uses the ship computer to reverse the shock that the cubes get the original victims, restoring them and escape the ship before the feedback from the cubes is destroyed and the world is recovered and blah.
0: Why, why would the feedback destroy the ship? Yeah, I don't like remember that. The electrical
1: feedback that they used to, like, hard attack everybody. And well, I, I get how he revived
0: everybody, but why did it destroy the ship? Other than that just works uh, well with the plot.
1: Well, no, it just, they shot it back. Like, with the electric pulse that would have shot down to the mm-hmm. cubes, it came back into the ship and made it explode.
0: Yeah, that's pretty weak. But um, I will say, uh, as you said, that he didn't bother to save everyone else, so that's kind of crazy.
1: Mm-hmm though the best part i think that i i think of the entire episode is when the doctor is sitting in watching in that little room watching the cube count to zero and when it counts to zero it opens and nothing is inside of it like that was so it's like such a build-up moment and you're just like oh ah, ah, and then nothing was inside it, and you're just like
0: what that was cool um i thought the chicken dance thing was pretty damn funny <laughs> the cube that's just playing the chicken dance. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, the stuff with Unit was fun. Um, I was kind of, I didn't know, I didn't know where they were going to go with that. I was hoping that we'd see a little more of Unit, but that's just the old school fan in me. I was hoping for, I don't know, something to do with Unit. Like, yeah, I don't know. It just, I love Unit. I'm a sucker for Unit. What can I say? In yeah. fact, if you're a sucker for Unit, and because I haven't pimped Big Finish enough. Uh, they're working on a new unit box set with Sylvester McCoy for Big Finish. So There'll be Sylvester McCoy, Doctor, dealing with some unit stuff. So that should be really good.
2: Sounds audio good.
0: dramas, if you like radio plays. I know a girl who listens to Pressure Cabin or whatever it is, and so she's into audio. So she should try this kind. Of
2: thing. Ah, cabin Pressure, if we're getting Cabin
0: Pressure, I think that's what it's called. Yay! So, um, all right, what else here? Uh, <laughs> Wow, <laughs> our,
1: our, te- our
0: technical staff is making lewd comments. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you for that, Chris.
0: Thank you. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> so, uh, and we're in the poor our, our technical staff. I feel sorry for him because he actually hasn't seen this season's episode episode. So we're totally spoiling for him. And uh, Chris, I just hate to say it. Um, Luke is uh, Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Sorry, man. Yeah, and Snake killed Dumbledore. Snake killed Dumbledore. That's recent. That's a little cold blooded. <laughs> All right. Uh, any more on on Power yeah, Three?
1: It, it was just. I, I'm sure we'll. If we think of it, we'll tangent again.
0: Absolutely. So that leaves us with the Angels Take Manhattan. Um... Okay? <laughs> the name made me dread watching it.
1: Me too. Because then the more I thought about it, I was like, there are a bajillion and twelve statues in Manhattan.
0: Oh, no, that's not where I was dreading. Um, So you've missed a lot. So did you see the Daleks take Manhattan?
1: Wasn't that the...
0: Tenet and... Yeah, yeah, that
1: was the one with Andrew Garfield doing terrible Tennessee yeah,
0: It's god-awful. That whole story was terrible. So to name this episode after such, you know, and using the linking concept of being, you know, the, the, the terrible other episode, I was like, oh, I really wish they hadn't done that. Um, but I get—I mean, take manhattan that's a big thing. Still, it just made me think of Daleks take Manhattan. I was just like, oh.
1: See, I, I saw it though as a big thing because we we know the Weeping Angels are the big badasses, and so when I heard that Daleks take—or not the Daleks—the Angels take Manhattan, my mind was just trying to wrap their heads around this. Like, do they literally just shoot everybody in Manhattan back in the past at some time? Do they turn every? Because you know, if you look in the Weepings weeping angel's eyes, the eye of an angel becomes an angel. So, like, do they turn everybody in Manhattan into weeping angels? Like, what is... Like, my mind was trying to wrap its way around this episode of what it meant.
0: Yeah. Okay. See, I, I guess I didn't think much more of it other than just the Daleks take Manhattan is where I was thinking. Now, I will say Man. during the opening tease, I had already figured out, and maybe everyone in the world had to, that clearly the, the Statue of Liberty was going to be an angel. And... Let me tell you, that is sticking to my craw like nothing else. I think it's the dumbest fucking thing. I'm pissed about the execution of it, and I think it's retarded. I mean, I totally get that New York, you know, for people in another country, the Statue of Liberty is one of the iconic, you know, icons. Like, we know Big Ben, they know the Statue of Liberty fine. But it just was stupid. It, it did nothing other than stand there. It never actually, it just stand there with, with, with pointy teeth. That's all the Statue of Liberty did. My, my
1: problem with it is it goes against what the angels are, because like it, it would make sense if it was in you know the harbor, because at some point someone would be looking at it almost always. Yeah, it's the city that never sleeps, so it wouldn't be able to move. Totally understand that, and that's why I was like, okay, because I, I saw a spoiler leading up to it that the, the, the Statue of Liberty was a weeping angel. So then my whole thing was, well, how does it move when the entirety of New, of New York, at some point, someone looks at it, so it cannot move. So yeah. that's why I was thinking, you know, maybe somehow the Weeping Angels turned everybody in Manhattan into Weeping Angels so it can move around. But, I mean, even then, it wouldn't be able to get there because even if it's stupid fast, it's going to have to go through Manhattan. At some point, someone's going to see it, and then we're going to get a Weeping Angel Statue of Liberty stuck somewhere between, like, buildings or something.
0: Absolutely true. And, again, it did nothing. It just stood there in the background with pointy teeth. It was mm-hmm. stupid, and it made me angry as as an American and as a fan. I just thought it was totally. stupid. I it made me angry as an
1: American, but okay.
0: I, well, I, I think. Well, I mean, like you know, I'm sorry. It's not like <laughs> no, not, not like that's my American stature. You don't mess with it. No, I don't mean that. I just mean. I don't know. I, it's like, come on, guys. You could have tenant or not tenant. Uh, Moffat is so clever. He could have picked something better than that. I almost get the feeling like the special effects guys asked for it. Like, please let us use the Statue of Liberty, please. And he's like, fine, I'll put it in there, but I'm not going to do anything with it. Because he did. Literally, the Statue of Liberty did nothing, you know?
1: It had been one thing if they went to Liberty Island, like, to try and escape the Angels, and then it turned out to be an Angels, and they couldn't escape anyway. That would have been awesome. Like, they sure. went to seek refuge at the Statue of Liberty, which is this American icon because it is you know you know come to America you get a new second start and the first thing that and like the people from the other world the other world the other country saw it was the Statue of Liberty that would have been awesome if they were trying to escape there, and then it got them like I mean but it just I agree it did nothing.
0: Yeah, if it had done something maybe it would have worked better but just the fact that it just stood there in the background was just like come on this it's is all scary. Yeah, so that that bugged the shit out of me, clearly. But, but the um,
1: rest of the episode was awesome.
0: The rest of the episode was absolutely awesome. I loved the 1930s stuff. Now, uh, I'll be throwing a reference I hear you, you may not get. Did you? There was a guy named Grail who was um, in the scenes with, uh, 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 what's your face, R- River, mm-hmm. where he was sort of the he was, the, he was the heavy who had the angels chained up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is, it, it was played by Mike McShane. Did you recognize him? No. Okay. Tell
1: me why.
0: He used to be on the old British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway? He was a regular on the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway. <gasps> he was! He was a big fatty back then. Yeah. Uh, and he was funny as shit. He was a great singer. He always did the singing skits because he was, like, the best. And, um... I, when I saw him on the episode, I'm like, no, that can't be him. And then he spoke, and I'm like, oh, my God, it is. Because his voice is just so – he has a great just voice. And uh, I was just so excited to see him. That was just awesome. So,
1: I, I have to say, you know, the, I was a little dreading a little bit seeing River in this episode because of last season. Like, because I, 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 I just wasn't, you know – but it was the first episode that I actually really bought that her and the Doctor were married.
0: They did make a cute couple in this one.
1: Yeah, and I what I like about it, it's not like Amy and Rory, who's like making out every twenty seconds. It's very subtle, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's and and I like that about them. But I actually felt for the first time that they were married. Like before, like I was like, oh, we're trying to force a romance, but they were very genuine. Like him healing her and then kissing her hand.
0: Yep. And she getting pissed off at him, which was great. Now that mm-hmm. you know that scene actually made me start thinking that the regeneration might be coming. Because um, the, them showing his regeneration energy and talking about it was part of what got me thinking maybe he's going to regenerate this season, but if they said he signed on, then no worries. But that got me thinking I'm like, huh, I wonder if that's you know, foreshadowing or something. But yeah, they made a cute couple this season. I'm not a huge fan of um, I like the character of River. I'm not a huge fan of Alex Kingston. Um, she's not bad. I mean, she's grown on me quite a bit. I really despised her in ER, so I have a hard time accepting her. Mm-hmm. But um, but she was she was good in this one. Now it does sort of screw with the timeline of the doctor and River always meeting in reverse order. You know?
1: Yeah. I wonder. I wonder how I, much of that is true because, like, you, time can be rewritten. They say it all the time. So I wonder if they're starting to change things up a little bit because uh, the first time we do see River, you know, it was in the Russell T. Davis era, so I'm wondering if Moffat's starting to kind of turn things more for him, even though he did, she did show up in his episodes. Um, so I wonder if he's starting to like mess with the tiny whiny.
0: Well, I guess once, once she died, I mean, I'm sorry, not once she died, once she was a baby, I guess, you know, there, anything could happen. All bets are off at that point, I suppose. Um yeah. once he met her as a baby, you know, you can't really go anywhere else with that. So I guess maybe that the the cycle was broken at that point. I don't know. Maybe. But
1: um, I don't know. Hmm. I-
0: so when did you cry?
1: Huh? <laughs> <No. laughs> um
0: The I mean I mean the moment. What was the thing that made you cry? I-
1: I don't know, I'm trying to remember because it was just the last like 10 minutes was just an entire whirlwind. I think it was when um, I started getting kind of very emotional right before Amy and Roy jumped off the building. I started getting emotional. And, but when they um, popped up again, you know, in the graveyard, I was just like, that's great. But the moment that Roy vanished and that like that angel was behind him. I'm like, I, the, the, I saw it about a half a second before... He vanished, I screamed, like I was just like ah! and i I screamed for Rory's name, and then he was gone, and it was such oh, and that entire final scene, and just like the little things that they put in, like the doctor saying, "Come along pond, because that's their thing, you know she always comes when he says that she's mm. never not come when he said that, so it was it was the little things and like you know, River saying goodbye to. River was awesome in that scene. That was the scene that made me really like her because she's saying goodbye to her mom knowing that she'll probably never see her mom again. And she has to be strong for the doctor and the doctor doesn't even, you know, like, it's not until later when they're on the TARDIS the doctor's like, oh yeah, you just lost your parents. Sorry. I'm so emotionally upset right now. I didn't even think of you, waifu. I'm sorry, wifey. Don't hate me. Like, like, she had to be so strong for him in that one moment. Like, I don't even want to know what happened to River when she walked out of that TARDIS, like, what happened. Like, she probably curled in a ball and, like, ate cookie dough ice cream for, like, a week.
0: Well, she may have seen her mom again, though, because she got the book published. And That
1: is true. And she got the afterward.
0: So it it could very well be that she actually saw her mom again.
1: You know, I saw I thought of something um oh the big the good man goes to war episode the, the devils run episode like um there's a moment where River is walking out of the cell someone wrote about this on Tumblr um that she's walking out of the cell, cell and she sees Rory and she's completely shocked and surprised and she's like oh my god it's you. So, people were thinking about maybe that came after this episode and she was seeing Rory for the first time after this episode because she's completely shocked and surprised to see Rory.
0: Yeah, could be.
1: Because mm-hmm. we don't know. We know that her and the doctor's timelines go opposite, but we don't know what her timeline is with these kids or not with these kids, with her parents.
0: <laughs> the exact, exact opposite of kids, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it could be. I don't know. Um, I kind of thought that she was going to see them again, you know, with the book, but I don't know. Um,
1: But it could be just about anything. She's a time traveler too. She could probably find them and just go to them and just be like, "Hey guys, Thanksgiving!"
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So
1: some people were thinking that like uh, Brian Williams was ended up being the um the son of Amy and Roy, and then they raised him, and then Brian had gave birth to Arthur. Well, not gave birth to Arthur or uh, um Arthur. That's his name, Rory, and so that's why he was named after his father. And named the kid. Okay, Never that's mind. messed up.
0: That's I get, messed I'm
1: up. getting into fandom now.
0: Um, now, my wife got teary-eyed. The part that got to her was the scene where they jumped off the building.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is funny, because for me, um, I had a completely different feeling. I was actually getting mad during that scene where they jumped off the building. First yeah. of all, the Statue of Liberty's in the scene, so I'm already mad. Um, second of all, all I'm sitting here going, thinking in my mind, and, and I didn't verbalize it, was please don't let them endorse suicide on a kids show. Please don't let them endorse suicide on a kids show. Please don't. Oh, they did. Um, now I realized that you know I had an argument with my wife about it. And she's like, "Hey, it's not a kids show." I'm like, "Well, it is a family show." And then we had an argument about you know, well, you knew they were going to survive. I'm like, "Well, there was a question of whether they would or not," and blah blah blah. And it's like, oh.
1: I was, I, just, I was mad if that was how they were going to get rid of Amy and Roy. Because, like, they, they still didn't know they would survive. And we, I knew they were leaving this episode. So if that's how they were going to die, that's where I was very, I was like, please don't let them die. And, like, leave this show by jumping off of an effing building together. Please. Right.
0: Well, um, so that's when she got upset. I was angry instead. And then when they woke up in the cemetery, they do a long shot of the cemetery. And there's an angel clearly shown. And it was shown earlier, too. And that's when my – before well, you know, in the very first scene of the long shot the, in the cemetery, they showed the angel. And that's when my wife knew that the angel was going to get him. She figured it out all the way back there. Uh And I was like, wow, well, I totally didn't see that coming. So it was pretty powerful when the angel got Rory and then with Amy. The part that made me tear up – and this is probably because I'm a dad. Uh, I'm a dad and I have a daughter. And – um I'm very close with my daughter, and, and you know, and, and I'm also the stern parent, so I'm used to you know shouting at him or whatever. So when Amy is getting staring at the angel, and she's getting ready to go, she puts her hand back mm-hmm. and goes, "Melody," and you know, like a parent does, you know, like very bossy. And she called her Melody. She didn't call her River. And it was basically like a mom saying, "Come here, child." And I do that to my kid all the time. You know, I'll be in the mall or you know walking in the grocery store, I'll be like Abby, come here. And I'll put my hand out and she'll come, you know, take my hand. And it just, I, boom, I had the tears at that moment. It sounds like she you didn't have even tears.
1: get to, yeah, she didn't even get to see her. Like, she couldn't even see her say goodbye.
0: Oh, I didn't even think about that. It's true. She couldn't even look at her daughter. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. But Oof. I
1: I completely lost it with the afterword. Like, the afterword is where I was just, like, bawling. I was just mm. gross sobbing. And even after the episode ended. I had I stopped it and I cried for a good ten minutes and I had to go outside and I had to smoke a cigarette like yeah. I just had to like like process what I had just watched.
0: So, question is: What really happened to them? I mean, obviously they're living in the thirties and mm-hmm. she's able to run a publishing company, but it, are they st- stuck in the Angel Hotel? I mean, the Ho- I guess the Angel Hotel doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah, they poisoned it with a paradox.
0: Right. So. They're just living in the 30s, like normal, I
1: guess. Yes, uh, I, they are because, like, before um, the doctor, when he tried to bring the TARDIS, um, he barely got there that one time, and he even says, like, if I try to come back to this time, I get to that time again, I would just break it, right. um, because uh, I, I, it was already a paradox once to come back. If I did it again, it would break it. So they're just stuck in the 30s, growing All right. up together, growing but old. But
0: they, mm-hmm. but they died really old people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So I mean. In theory, they died
1: he- the day they were born.
0: Oh, is that what it was? That's cool. Someone
1: figured it out um, on Roy's name tag from like every, the very first episode. It has like his birthday on it. And if you calculate it like 86 years later from when they were shot back in time to, he, they both died the day they were born.
0: That's cool. That's right. Cause she lived a little longer than him because she's younger than him. That makes sense. Now, mm-hmm. couldn't, um, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, he couldn't get back to the 1930 era. But he can get to the 1960s. He can get to the 1970s. We've seen him do it a million times. So couldn't he bump into them in the 1970s? You know, obviously, that, that's just some fan wank waiting to happen. But I'm just saying.
1: Maybe that's happen. the 50th anniversary. Like, maybe right now he doesn't want. Like, because he, he got the afterward, right? And the doctor was so emotional. So he's probably not thinking clearly but he has that like maybe he doesn't want to because he he was technically in their lives so much you know if they traveled with him for decades he was already in their life so much and amy was pretty much was like we love you but we're done
0: right so yeah and he, i mean go ahead i'm sorry
1: maybe he just chose not to go back because they pretty much said that they loved him and they were done with him though
0: yeah now by the way we were talking about um a minute ago, Amy and your, your love for Rory and stuff. And I want to say, and I think I probably said this last time I recorded, but I'll say it again. Um, I firmly believe that if Doctor Who had started not in 2005 with Billy Piper and Christopher Eccleston, if it had started in 2010, what ten, I guess it was, with um, Matt Smith and Karen Gillian, you know how you know how the world went ape. Well, I don't know. Maybe you don't. The, the world went absolutely apeshit for Billy Piper, mm-hmm. like absolutely fucking ape shit it was crazy oh yeah.
1: She, oh yeah she got like a bunch of shit after that and she's yeah, become like, a really big name over there
0: exactly and she's like you know was the hottest thing and supposed to be the it girl and all this if they had launched with matt smith and karen gillian i think the exact same thing would have happened for karen gillian i think she's that cute she's got that in uh powerful she, of a personality she's, she's a strong gonna be in woman. some
1: movies coming up here in hollywood like yes, I, I, I saw i saw that
0: I'm just saying I think that if she had come first, it wouldn't be comparing Amy to Rose. It would just be Amy, and I think she would have been just as popular. Mm-hmm. I think Karen Gillian was a great actress. So.
1: This episode really showed that. Like, If you look at her, like very first episode, she's a child. And in this, she's clearly matured over like three seasons. You can tell she's playing an older version of herself. Um, and it's amazing going back and looking between that first episode with her and this now – she, she's clearly matured as an actress and like, or, or I guess i well matured as an actress. Yes. But her character has completely changed.
0: Speaking of not just her, but her, the actress who played her younger self, it was such a cool moment to see her younger self one last time. I adore mm-hmm. that little girl. She's so cute. And if I, and this, this actually is sticking, I have to go back and rewatch some stuff now, but I seem to recall either last season or even the season before that, there was a weird scene where they showed uh, Amy as a child, sitting there in the garden, waiting for the doctor to show up, and the TARDIS of coming. And I'm like, wait a minute, that didn't happen. She sat in the garden and then waited 10 years. Mm -hmm. It was like, the doctor never showed up, and I remember thinking at the time, like, that scene doesn't make sense. And
1: Moffat said recently, and released it, he he said that he was so happy about this last episode coming out, because he wrote a joke, From that old episode, and he waited two years to have the punchline, which was this episode.
0: What was the joke?
1: Well, it it wasn't a joke joke. It was like telling a joke and waiting two years for the punchline. Okay. I think that's what it
0: was. I bet bet they filmed that scene with the girl two years ago, and they Mm -hmm. used a snippet of it in an episode that confused the shit out of me. Because, again, I'm like, she was in the garden. The doctor never showed. Why is she sitting there in the garden and the TARDIS is starting to appear? And this is it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So I'm going to have to go back and find that. But, yes, that makes me... Or you probably have it on Tumblr somewhere. But, anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love Tumblr. It's my life. I know. But can I talk about hey. baby weeping angels? Because those little fuckers were scary.
0: Oh, my God. You know, I was talking with a buddy of mine, and we kept talking about how the cherub, cherubs, I think is how you say it, were yeah. amazing. And he was like, you know, they should have actually... He He thought they should have made this a two-parter and done some more scary shit with the cherubs. And my response to that was like, well, I totally get what you're saying, but... Last time they did an Angel two-parter, it just was a little too much. So I'm kind of glad they kept this to one episode.
1: Yeah, because I I liked the first one of um, the uh, Angel two-parter, but the second one I was just like, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But those little
1: cherubs, those little fuckers are scary as fuck. Yes, they are. Yes,
0: they
1: are. I I, I don't like statues anyway. Statues have always creeped me out. And so the first time I saw the Weeping Angels, I was just like, no, nope, 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 nope. But my (laughs) friend, one of my best friends in her effing bathroom has little baby cherub statues in her bathroom, like 20 of them. And every time I go into her bathroom, I like panic. Now I will never go into her bathroom ever again.
0: Yeah, they, they totally need to, she needs to get rid of those.
1: <laughs> well, her her mother is crazy for Jesus, so I don't think it's happening okay. anytime soon. Mm. I, mean, I just, this, this, oh, I, I really hope, if we get angels again, I hope they come back. And the fact that it could be any statue, I think that would be just as so scary. Like, to have a Weeping Angels episode, but not expect it, and just have normal statues, and all of a sudden, bam, like, someone vanishes, and you're just like, Oh my god, it's a Weeping angel episode! Holy shit!
0: Well, I kind of hope we're done with the Weeping Angels. I mean, I love them, but too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. Um, Star Trek's particularly good at that with, like, taking a cool bad guy like the Borg and using him enough where it becomes pretty worthless. Uh, and I don't want Doctor Who to, I mean, Doctor Who did that with the Daleks. You know, they, made, they were terrifying at first, you know, and then used them enough where they became kind of lame. And I, I don't want that to happen with the Weeping Angels. I just want, I want to be done.
1: On our last um, Doctor Who special, I think it was like Mike Bailey or someone said that like by license agreement, they had to have the Daleks at least in the first so many seasons.
0: I think that was me. That was what I had heard. I had always heard that there was a licensing agreement that said the Daleks had to appear in every season. And um, so there was, you know, like, although that must not have been true because last season I don't think we got any Daleks.
1: Oh, no, we did. Um, I just don't remember where. Uh, but I do remember we had them – weren't they in um, the Battle of – the Demons Run, Devil, Demons Run? So nope. they, was that them? Yeah, they
0: may have made a cameo in an episode or something. Well, I mean, Cybermen probably, certainly had would, an episode. That
1: would trigger it. They would then be there.
0: I don't remember them appearing, but – and that's sort of an apocryphal story. I don't know that it's really true, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um... I was I was sad. I was more sad to see Rory go because we never got his big goodbye. And like once again, you know, like with like the doctor was freaking out more over Amy leaving. Like poor Rory. I really just want a season where we have a male companion. I think it would just completely change the dynamics. I think you know that the shippers will go crazy. But I mean, I really do think that'd be a nice dynamic to see, like a male, like friend, like and like not have that potential girl romance-y, bleh
0: you're really hung up on that, aren't you?
1: <laughs> I really am. Or oh, an alien <laughs> companion. I think that'd be really cool.
0: Okay, well, here's one thing that I heard about Oswin. A long time ago, when they first announced the actress, I heard that she was going to be a new companion, and she, one of the things they said was she wasn't going to be human. Now, I don't know if they were talking about Oswin's not human, or they were just sort of in-joking because she's a Dalek in that first appearance. I don't know and which.
1: doesn't she have... I thought her name was different in the Christmas like special.
0: It could be, and, and maybe it's not.
1: Like, I, is, this I, this like totally, a, is this like told, a, is thing? Gwen, you know, Gwen uh, may, maybe
0: maybe it could it could be or or like Martha. Martha, you know, uh, Martha appeared in the Cyberman episode and died, um, and she says she mentions when she, she's Martha, she says her cousin was there. Um, I mean, she didn't play Martha; she played a you know different actress, but a different character. Same actress though. Um, it could be a Gwen thing or, or like what happened with Martha. Now, um, I forgot to completely mention one of the things I love that, that really sold it to me that I knew she was the companion. This is going back to, uh, sorry, the Asylum of the Dogs. When she goes to die, the doctor, she's having a conversation. She tells the doctor to remember her. She looks right at the camera.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She's talking to the people at home when she says, remember me. Because meaning, I'm coming back, folks. You're going to see me again. Remember me. So she's okay. actually talking to us when she says, remember me, not the doctor. And I just thought that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, that's clever. That's very clever.
1: I've and guess what they... I just... Oh, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. No, go ahead. I've jumped back to Angels in Manhattan. I'm all over the place. Go ahead. No, no,
1: this is about that.
0: So okay. keep going. So I'm, I'm playing around on Wikipedia. And guess what I just found out? I had no idea. Um, that, that fake book written by River, The Angel's Kiss, a Melody Malone mystery... Mm-hmm. Has actually been released as an ebook.
2: Oh <gasps> no!
0: Yes, the BBC actually released this. Uh, uh, released it on October fourth as an ebook. So I think we totally need to buy this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. That is so cool. Bad. So
1: uh since i'm now i'm just going looking at my outline and going into other stuff like going to theories and stuff like that so what's going on with this whole doctor who thing because we ended the last season you know with the blue guy being like well answer the greatest question of all right. doctor who and then that's traveled into this season
0: with yep, osman
1: I, deleting him and no one knowing who he is
0: well did osman delete him or did he delete himself I can't remember. Oswin
1: deleted him. Uh, he, okay. she, she deleted That's him right. from she the did. Daleks database, but it's starting to come back. Like in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, they didn't know who he was. And River was released from jail because you can't kill someone who doesn't exist.
0: That's right. I remember that now. Um, well, yeah. And, and there's been – like there was um, – yeah, even in uh, Asylum of the Daleks, he kept saying the phrase Dr. Who. He said, I like that. You know, Dr. Who. And mm-hmm. um, the Daleks were shouting, Dr. Who – You know, and so it's clearly a thing that they're going to carry through, unless unless that was it. I mean, him being erased from a database. I doubt it. I imagine it's more in the second half of the season that there's going to be a thing about either. I I have always assumed it would be who is the Doctor really? Like, you know, what is his significance to the universe? When Sylvester McCoy was the Doctor, and this is totally irrelevant to this, I'm sure now, but it's just an interesting parallel. When Sylvester McCoy was the Doctor, in the last couple seasons, he wanted to infuse some of the mystery back into the show. He felt like, uh, and some of the writers and, and producers did too, he, they, they all felt like the Doctor had become too knowable. We knew everything about the Doctor. There was no mystery anymore. And so they started infusing questions, and he was confronted by an enemy who did something very similar, where... Um, She was saying, she was talking about, she was the silver nemesis. She was basically saying she knew who the Doctor really was. And she's like, Doctor, do you want me to tell your friends who you, as a threat, she's like, do you want me to tell them who you really are? He's like, fine, tell them, I don't care. And it never got around to happening. So the episode ends with Ace asking the Doctor, Doctor, who are you really? And it ends with some mystery, and this was kind of hinted at a few times. And ultimately what they kind of leads you down the path to believe is that he's actually one of the founders of Gallifreyan and society, um, which nowadays wouldn't really matter very much. You know? Unless
1: they're – do you think they're maybe trying to bring Gallifrey back?
0: Good lord, I hope not. What um, about
1: for the 50th anniversary though? Because that is – could happen. We saw the master leave. There's a big theory about Roy being the master. What? Well, it's because there's a lot of comparisons. Like he wasn't impressed He's the TARDIS. <laughs> well, no, no, he wasn't compared with the. Uh, 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 he wasn't impressed by the TARDIS. He was just like, yeah, I know it's bigger than inside. Cool. Um, he keeps coming back to life. You know, um, he <laughs> should. No, no, but also like the fob watch that the David Tennant doctor used to remember himself in the Power of Three. You see that Rory's has a fob watch.
0: Hmm.
1: And, um, oh, there's other, hold on, there's so many points on this, let me...
0: Okay, well, if Rory's the master, then that just takes a big shit all over how cool his character is.
1: No, I, I would love if Rory was the master. I think that'd be awesome. Because then the whole time... Let's see, uh, 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 here we go, here's a list. Um, he is no surprise that the TARDIS is bigger on the inside. Um, this tends to be the first thing people are shocked by. Uh, Roy has died and died again, but and it was even erased once from the entirety of space, but he always came back. In God Complex, Roy is the only one who does not have a room filled with fears. When the Doctor opens the, the, the room with his fears, he says, Of course it was you, and we hear the TARDIS distress signal, which was only ever heard before when the Master stole the TARDIS. The most compelling argument is in Let's Kill Hitler when River Song regenerates in front of them and Rory is the first is for the first time exposed to raw time energy he immediately complains about the banging in his head the master has always heard the sound of drums in his head Moffat does not throw shit around like that pointlessly Rory's daughter is River Song, a half-Time Lord. I was always a bit suspicious about the explanation that it was because she was conceived in the TARDIS during the mid-flight due to the Time Vortex. As many characters made a point in mentioning, it really isn't what makes a Time Lord a Time Lord. And finally, we never get a really good explanation of how the cracks in the skin of the universe were formed. We know that they are closely related to, uh, to Amy Pond. We also know that Roy is closely related to Amy Pond. The Master was presumed dead, but how else could he get back? So is he Roy or is he the Master?
0: Okay, there's some, there's some pretty strong circumstantial evidence there. But I, again, I say it takes a big old shit on Roy's character to make him the Master. Because Rory is such an incredibly likable guy, Um, to to find out that he's actually secretly a bad guy, whether knowingly or unknowingly, is just.
1: I don't know. I would like it. I would like it to be like you know the master fell in love. Like he actually legit fell in love with Amy. You know, maybe he came back as a kid. Um, Well, yeah. Chris just made a really good point. Anakin Skywalker was a nice kid. So maybe he did come back as a kid and he genuinely fell in love with Amy.
0: Now, I have no doubt that Arthur Darville has the acting chops to pull it off, but it, it's not my issue. My issue is I just, I Amy and Rory have had their moment. Let him go. Let him, let him go. Let him be. You know, Amy's left the show. They're not going to bring him back as the master without her. You know, they're not going to have one without the other. And it's and, and maybe that was even part of Moffat's plan at one point to have him be the master. But either way, I sincerely hope that's not the case. So.
1: Maybe it's it's one of those things that like, you know, Matt Smith always constantly overlooked Roy and he just never paid attention to him. So when the master does come back, he really sees Rory for the first time. Like he stares at Rory as a centurion and doesn't realize it's Roy for a good minute and a half. So it's the first time he truly sees Roy, and he realizes he should have been paying attention the entire time.
0: Could be. I don't know. I'm still throwing that theory in the trash.
1: <laughs> I, I want that theory. I would love that theory. <laughs> but I always wanted more Rory. I, I, was, I liked Amy, but I always liked Roy more than Amy. Like when he became an official companion, I was just like, yes, male yeah, companions. I,
0: I was very happy about that too. Now I'm going to talk off topic for just one second slightly uh, since okay. we're talking about upcoming stuff. Uh, I did, and, and I'm all about the expanded universe. IDW has been publishing Doctor Who comic books. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've read any of them or not. I've read um,
1: some. The, I, been for- I, I read the um, one that had all the Doctors, where you travel to the Doctors' time. Yes. That was a good one.
0: The Forgotten, I think is what that was called. That yeah. Was very
1: yeah, that was cool.
0: Well, they've had um, these monthly books as well, where they do, like, a, like last year they did, I think it was a 12 or 13 issue series, um, and it basically all tied in nicely with last season. And it was the Matt Smith Doctor. And they were, it was done by Tony Lee, who was the writer. And they were really, 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 really fucking good. Um, they're some of the best Doctor Who comics I've ever read. I was just like, wow, these are so good. And now, just in the last week, they've launched a new IDW Doctor Who monthly comic. And it starts again with number one because it's kind of pairing up with this season.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's really good. Um, just, it, it, I want to give a shout out for it. I suggest people go give it a shot. It's... The, the, the new writer is Andy Diggle. He's sort of the showrunner for this season of comics, and he's really done his research. He really understands Doctor Who. I mean, the story starts off with a mystery and new characters just like every episode should start off. He's got everyone's dialogue just down perfectly. I mean, there's scenes in here with Rory where, like, Amy's upset because it's their wedding anniversary. And he's like, you know, you're sad that it's our wedding anniversary. Okay, right. No, that's fine. Um, I mean, I can hear Arthur Darville saying all of that. It's really well done. And then uh, the reason I'm bringing this up, you made me think about it. At the very end, there's a a big threat to everything. The Doctor and Amy off dealing with the thing, and Rory's off on his own dealing with something, which just makes perfect sense. The Doctor and Amy would totally ditch Rory. And it looks like at the end of the episode, Rory dies. (laughs) Or his life's at least endangered where he could die. It is just like that's so Rory to get killed. Or almost get killed. This is like, that's perfect!
1: I love that line in uh Sorry, an angel taking my hand away. It's just like, you know, I'll die, I'll just come back. <laughs> He's very aware of that fact.
0: Right, exactly. So, um, anyway, just give it... Go out there, folks. Comic shops, pick up IDW Doctor Who Number 1 by uh, Andy Diggle and Mark Buckingham. It's really fucking good. Did
1: you catch all the motifs throughout the season?
0: Such as?
1: There was three or four, um... One was the time going backwards, as the timey wimeyness, But there was one, it was Christmas, eggs, and, um, oh, was the last one? And light bulbs. Because...
0: Okay, light bulbs obviously played a role in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship.
1: Oh, well, it was in everyone in Pond Life, he's fixing a light bulb um, on the top of the TARDIS. And uh, I've got to pull up the episode. So I it see gets anything.
0: referenced again later. I remember her, uh, River saying, is that a new bulb on top of the TARDIS? Mm-hmm. Doesn't she? Yes,
1: right. um, I lost my spot Simon uh, and the Daleks um, Oh, there was that Right before Amy gets taken, the light bulb is flashing on her mirror um, Dinosaurs on the spaceship They're changing the light bulb picture in their house Town right. Call Mercy, the, the lights are flickering in the town Power of Three, right before the cubes attack The lights go off a unit And then finally Angel takes Manhattan You know, uh, the angels work by that So I think the light bulbs are leading up to the angels. But then there's other things like Christmas and eggs that I don't get. Christmas is probably Christmas special, yeah. But eggs I just don't get.
0: Well, the Christmas we saw, we saw a Christmas in Power of Three. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Asylum of the Daleks, um, he says, uh, oh, this is Christmas, all the Daleks, it's Christmas, and then Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. It was cut out of the BBC America version. It's only in the other uh, version because it was, it was one of the things edited out. But there's a line where uh, the doctor, uh, where Arthur Darville goes, um, dad, I'm 31, I don't have a Christmas list anymore. And the doctor says, I do? That was cut right. out of the American version, so not everyone probably saw that one.
0: Why on earth would that be cut out of the American version? I guess for time?
1: Yeah. A lot okay. they they edited it down I think from like forty two to I think like or like forty eight to like forty two minutes they cut out about six minutes. Um Town Call Mercy, the doctor says, has someone been looking on my Christmas list? Power okay. through the Christmas scene, and then Angels Take Manhattan. There's a Christmas reference, but I don't remember it, but I remember seeing it going, Ha, Christmas. Okay. So interesting.
0: The- oh, very interesting all the way around. Okay.
1: All right, so I'm wondering if those lead up. I'm, I'm thinking those are just you know references to the Christmas special, but the one I don't get is eggs.
0: Well, there there was dinosaur eggs on the ship.
1: An asylum of the Daleks it was the eggs for the souffle, and um, they talked about eggs for the uh, Daleks they, they even say eggs.
0: And I assume so, pond life uh, the would probably made them eggs would be a safe bet. I remember the sausage. I don't know if I remember eggs, but I'm, I'm sure you probably did.
1: Uh, Town Call Mercy, uh, the guy's ship is an egg shape. Yeah. Um, Power 3, um, oh, there was an eggs reference, but I don't remember it.
0: So does that mean the alien doctor's from Ork? That's a reference for your really old listeners that you don't get, (laughs) but never mind. (laughs) Mork from Ork. His spaceship is shaped like Uh, an egg. Oh, yeah! Robin Williams.
1: I do remember that. Um, but I, and there's, uh, references in Power 3 to eggs and, um... And you'll take Manhattan, but I don't remember. Huh.
0: People but have I'm, a lot of time. People have a lot of time to analyze these things. <laughs> well,
1: some of them were very blunt and clear, like the light bulbs in the Christmas. The eggs was something that um someone picked okay. up, and I'm wondering if these are just motifs that are for fun or if they actually mean stuff.
0: I'll give you the eggs. And believe it or not, I will give you the eggs. I will not give you the light bulbs. I say the light bulbs is pure coincidental bullshit because the lights flickering. Is used in every TV series for dramatic effect. So light bulbs flickering is completely meaningless, in my opinion.
1: I, I think now, it was leading up to the angels, though, because that's how they move.
0: Sure. Rory, though, changing – Rory changing the light bulb and the doctor changing the light bulb on top of the TARDIS. Eh, there could be something with that. But the lights flickering, uh, I, that doesn't fit the motif to me. That just, like you said, is more suggestive of, of the angels. But. but
1: then why would – in the when Amy gets taken, why would just her light bulb be flickering on her mirror?
0: Dramatic. Create dramatic tension. That's all.
1: All right. All right I'll give you that one.
0: So. All right. So um, – what what other motifs are there or are we moving on to upcoming stuff cuz i got something to mention that i just i just found cuz wikipedia is awesome and everything on wikipedia is true <laughs>
1: yeah i'm trying to find i used to have this um what up uh, right, well, i
0: will just like... say what I did. i'll just say yeah what you go ahead and do that while i'm looking this up i, I got i don't know if this is true but you know like i said it's on wikipedia so it's got to be true right it says that um Wait, let me confirm that I saw this, right? That I didn't just imagine this. Shit, where was this? Oh, well. I swear I just read something that said Neil Gaiman says he's... Yeah, here it is. Neil Gaiman says that he is scheduled to write an episode for the second half of the season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you already knew that?
1: I, I remember hearing about it. I know that him and uh, Gatos are both writing episodes. Or and Gatos has a few episodes already, like two of them.
0: And Gatiss is okay. I, I I don't hate Gatiss by any means, but he's he's fine.
1: I have uh, a big lady Sherlock boner for him.
0: Well, sure. I mean, he, he does a great Mycroft. Which, by well, the way, also, it, it, it amazes for me. one his
1: episodes, he wrote Reichenbach.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah, he's, like, he, he really wrote good.
1: Reichenbach, so...
0: Now, I, I have to... <laughs> I'm going to knock your Sherlock fandom for just a second.
1: Okay, just, bring
0: it. I know. Well, well it, it. It's, it's not anything... No no big revelation, sorry. And it's not even that good. But it's like it's astonishing all the Sherlocky fans and how dedicated they are over essentially six episodes. I mean, that's all you've had. And it's just like, wow, that's some hardcore dedication for waiting two years for six episodes, whereas like in a normal show, that's not even half the season.
1: It's like, wow. You you should see us. Like, it's ridiculous, the theories that people have broken down about how, and just, like, little things. Like, seeing, like, in The Blind Banker, they go to, like, the Lucky Cat store, and, you know, the lady's like, you should buy a Lucky Cat for your wife. Two episodes later, it's in their apartment on the mantelpiece. Oh, okay. And, and just, like, little things like that. But people have, like, used physics to break down how Sherlock <laughs> has survived the fall. And, like, all these weird possible things. And, like, breaking down, like, the tiniest little details. And come up and explain every theory known to man. Like, it's ridiculous. But then you get just the fun stuff, too. Like, my friend Kara, very good friend. She, she makes fandom teas. She makes Sherlock teas and Avengers teas and Doctor Who teas, which, by the way, the rose tea is very delicious. Um, but it's just like, you know, it's the little things that get us by in this, like, huge, like, thing.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it, and, and you've got to talk about the insanely minute details because that's all you're left with when you only have six TV episodes. By the way, I heard you talk about your friend that makes the teas on a previous episode, mm-hmm. and I was confused as shit. Because I thought you meant she made T-shirts. So you're sitting here talking about all the different teas. I'm like, okay, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And then you say how they taste. I'm like, what? What the yeah. fuck is she talking about? The sh- shirts taste like something?
1: She just a made while. a new blend. It's the Pharaoh Pond blend. I just sent you a link. But um, those are all her signature teas. And I would suggest... Yeah, just click on it. These are all teas. I would suggest um, the Mycroft, the Steve Rogers... Uh, the loki tea is really good for making um a mint chocolate chip ice cream with donovan's really good thor is another favorite of mine um bruce banner is my absolute favorite because it's the only one with chamomile because all the other ones are like oh i'm drinking tea but that one's like i want to come home and have a relaxing cup of tea the bruce banner is the, the best one for that one um, she has Effie Cabin Pressure ones. Um, I haven't tried any of her Hunger Game blends, and I'm not into Teen Wolf, so I haven't tried any of her Teen Wolf ones. Um, but, um, I hear her Sailor Moon blend is really good. Um, I don't like the Malomar, but, because it's a really fruity tea, so if you like really fruity teas, you might like the Malomar. Uh, the Moriarty Moran tea is really good. Um, that's just off the top of my head, but I would definitely suggest, if you want to try it for the first time, Mycroft. Steve Rogers, Bruce Banner.
0: Goodness. Wow, this is pretty amazing what else she does.
1: The Steve Rogers, and she does all the original artwork, too. I'm going to throw that one out there. Cara, the I'm promoting you, dear. I'm seeing you next weekend for your birthday. Happy birthday.
0: I will uh, say the, art, the artwork's absolutely adorable.
1: Um, the Steve Rogers, if you put cream and sugar in it, it tastes like apple pie. Yeah, I heard thing. you
0: say that before, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, though.
0: Wow. All right, well let's uh, let's get on target here because we're getting late. Um,
1: oh, we are getting late. Holy shit, it's twelve thirty.
0: Yeah. So we've got um, we've got Neil Gaiman coming up. We've got you know the Christmas special, which is written by Steve Moffat, which we're getting the new companion in.
1: It looks and like a historical episode from dress the way they were dressing.
0: Well, the Christmas ones always kind of work out that way. I mean, you know, at least with under Moffat's watch is you get v- sort of the, the Charles Dickens Christmas. I mean, it's kind of what he always shoots for. Now, um, this one is going to be directed by Saul Metstein, mm-hmm. which uh, he's only recently entered the realm of Doctor Who. However, he directed Pond Life. He directed Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. He directed Town Called Mercy. And now he's doing the Christmas special. So you know what? It takes a good writer and a good director to make a great episode. So uh, he did Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. So he's got my vote.
1: It looks like the, this is the first one he had done with uh Moffat writing because it looks like the other two were Toby wide what with Toby and Jibby because that's how we can't get their fucking names right, um, yeah. um so I'll be interested to see how he does with actual Moffat writing. Yeah, because the two episodes that Moffat wrote so far was with Nick Curran.
0: Yeah, and um, I wonder if I'm just getting old and bitter or if Moffat's. <laughs> Going sort of like Russell T Davies ish, where like Russell T Davies, like he did a lot of real quiet episodes originally, but then he got to the point where he only had, he'd only write the big spectacular episodes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know if Moffat, and I'm not trying to talk bad about the guy because I think he's wonderful. He's been one of the best things that's happened to the show in years. And but we like I wonder you if he come
1: back to Twitter, come back to Twitter, we miss well,
0: you. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I wonder if he's getting to the point because he's only written. Asylum of the Daleks and Angels Take Manhattan. So maybe is he only willing to do the marquee episodes? Is he not doing the quiet ones anymore? I don't know. Like, I
1: don't know. well, also we don't know what he's writing next season because we're looking at this. Um, and there's still a few blanks well, to be left.
0: But um, he's he's clearly writing the Christmas special. He's writing the first episode they come back from, and he's writing the last episode. So again, those are going to be marquee episodes. Yeah. The mid-season premiere and the season finale. Those are going to be marquee episodes. So it's almost like he's he's sort of hugging them, you know, I mean he did the same thing last year um, he did A Good Man Goes to War and Let's Kill Hitler he did Wed- Wedding of River Song he did Impossible Astronaut. so he did the exact same thing last year so I guess I shouldn't, I'm probably bitching too much um, no,
1: because I'm, I'm looking, I think you're, you're raising a good point because I'm looking through Russell T. Davis things and he Russell T. Davis did tend to write the first and last episodes but he tended to have an episode or two in the middle
0: He wrote now, Midnight.
1: Invite... yeah, like he
0: wrote um... oh my gosh, Midnight was directed by Alice Trotten. Okay, that's got to be related. Okay. Can I talk about Midnight for two seconds? Yes, go ahead. Before we do our full-on Midnight special sometime soon. Um, <laughs> ironically that it's 1230 at night. Uh, in Midnight, there was an actor in there. Uh, <laughs> I
2: just, there was, just yes. said. <laughs> Sorry. The, uh,
0: Patrick Trotton's son was in Midnight. Uh, David Trotton, I think is his name. Uh, so Patrick Trotton, the second Doctor, his son was in Midnight. He played like the old stodgy uh, teacher guy.
1: Oh, yeah, and I haven't
0: seen that. What's that? I'm seeing that now. Oh, and if you close your eyes and listen to him talk, he sounds exactly like his dad. <laughs> well, he was in that episode, so we, that's something I really dug. And now I'm seeing the director was Alice Trotton, And if your name's Trotton and you're doing Doctor Who, you've got to be related, I would assume, somehow. So that's cool. Just, uh, the Trotton family is just so awesome. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, I, I just, I think that um, Patrick Troughton was one of the single best doctors we've ever had. He was perfect from beginning to end. He was the template for what became Tom Baker, which became David Tennant, which became Matt Smith. I mean, I think without Patrick Troughton, we do not have any of this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's just my take. Anyway,
1: right. so
0: what else we got we, coming up? All
1: right, so we'll, we'll go on our last thing. So what do you want to see out of next season, 50th anniversary, any upcoming stuff, future doctors, actors, what do you want from the future of Doctor Who, since we probably won't talk for, you know, get a chance to talk about Doctor Who for a while.
0: Hmm. Well, obviously I'm looking forward to the new companion. Uh, I'm looking forward to the 50th anniversary. I actually don't want a big blowout, the 11th, you know, the 11 doctors where all the doctors show up, because that way Mm -hmm. nobody gets the attention they need. Um... Mm -hmm. Peter Davison got a seven minute special, which was perfect. It was just like it was like a, a, a teaser, and it was great. I think something with Tom Baker would be great. I'd love to see David Tennant pop his head in, but I, I don't want to see everybody, you know, maybe one or two of them would be cool, or sprinkle them throughout the season rather than just one star-studded episode. Um, but I, I I would like to see less continuity heavy episodes. I'd like to see more monster of the week. I want to see new monsters. That's what kind of what I've always enjoyed is like I want as much as I love seeing the Silurians or the Daleks or the Centaurans or whatever I've seen or the Angel, even the Weeping Angels now we've seen them. All right, let's move on. Let's get some new monsters that in a season or two could come back. You know, let's develop some further mythos to the Doctor Who rather than just seeing the old stuff all over again. So I want to see new monsters as we go in. I want them to see some amazing new monsters. So that's all I got. I have no idea who I'd want to be the new, next doctor. That's, that's impossible. I could argue every side of it. I could argue giving us you know, an older, middle, you know, middle-aged, heavy-set heavy guy would be a nice departure from Matt Smith. But at the same time, I'd love to see another young guy like Matt, David Tennant or Matt Smith or some cool guy like Christopher Eccleston. I could argue every which way.
1: Tom Hiddleston.
0: Who? <laughs> what did that's you
1: say? I said Tom Hiddleston. I think he'd make a wonderful doctor.
0: Is that the Sherlock guy?
1: No, he, uh, that's been in a Cumberbatch, who I also, okay. at first, I thought he would make a wonderful Doctor, but the more and more I, I thought about it, I think he'd make a better companion. Okay. Um, but Tom Hiddleston played Loki in the Avengers, but he's also Ooh. done a lot of historical work. Like, he was just recently in Henry V. Yeah,
0: he, he'd be good. You know, you know who I've always said would make an amazing master, but even more interesting Doctor?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's older now, so it'd be, it'd be even interesting, a different kind of an interesting dynamic. Alan Rickman.
2: <gasps> yes.
0: Like I always leapt to him being the master. I was always like, "Oh, he should absolutely be the master. He's the master." He's. But then someone said, or or I did, or someone said, like, "Oh, maybe he should be the doctor." And it's like, "Ooh, he'd be like a creepy, you know, sort of like you never quite trust him, doctor. He'd be amazing."
1: I. Yeah, I never actually thought about that before. My only argument is that I hate to say this, but he's old. He's yeah, my favorite. no he's my favorite actor in the entire world. He was my favorite actor before he was Severus Snape, and then he played my favorite character. Like he is my favorite actor in the entire world. So I, I would love to see him in Doctor Who because no one beats Alan Rickman in my brain. But I just, I think he might be pushing a little too old to be the Doctor, but the Master, yes, totally.
0: Well, you call him Severus Snape to me. He's Hans Gruber. So.
1: Yeah. But Die. I mean, that's a, wanna... a diehard
0: reference for you. It's right before you were born. <laughs> yeah,
1: I've never seen Die Hard. All I know. About oh Die hard.
0: my God! I've never seen Die Hard. I've never seen Die Hard.
1: Okay, I'll admit that. I'm young, and I'm I. All my guy friends are like Die Hard. I'm just like, Yay! I'm gonna watch a romantic
0: comedy. Well, if you if you've never seen, if you're an Alan Rickman fan, you've got to watch Die Hard. I, I don't know that it's his first theatrical appearance, but it's certainly his breakthrough role.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's where he became a household name. Right there, he's that good in it.
1: I saw him. And, and Romeo and Juliet, when he was Mercutio, and he had a lovely codpiece. Oh, good lord. I want to go back to my corner now. <laughs>
0: <But> yeah.
1: <laughs> I, speaking of Benedict Cumberbatch and the Master, um, I would want Tom Hiddleston to be the next Doctor and Benedict Cumberbatch to be the Master. Because they're already such good friends anyway. They did War Horse together. And so they already have that like connection as actors. And we're going to get to see Benedict in the new Star Trek film. And he's going to be in the new Hobbit. So we we do know that he can play character roles.
0: Yeah, but he he's too big a name. I mean, you can't have such a huge leading man come play the master. It just doesn't work. He's, he's too well. And especially being a Moffat production. Now, Moffat does tend to use the same actors over and over. But um,
2: Why not? I don't, I don't, what about
0: John Simm? Well, like, eh, maybe. You know, I, I tell you, um, the guy who played Moriarty was – my, my only criticism of Moriarty in Sherlock was that he was a little bit too much like the Master or the Joker, even.
1: See, I like that. You'd never, because I, I was reading, it's Andrew Sims. He made a point to never read anything. Like, he, he, he knew about Moriarty, but he didn't want to watch any other, when he found out he had the other roles, he didn't want to watch any other versions. He, he stayed away from doing research. He just went in and was just like, all right, I'm here to play.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm not comparing him to any other Moriarty's because I'm actually not that familiar with more, other Moriarty's myself. I'm just saying he he came across a little bit too much like the Joker or too much like the Master, and it was just like mm. I still dug it. It was a great, powerful, scary character, but uh, I just feel like he was a little over the top. But anyway, we're off the reservation now. I apologize. So, what do you want to see out of the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who? Tom
1: Hiddleston me, the next Doctor. <laughs>
0: All right, moving on. What else?
1: I'm taking his shirt off.
0: Good Lord. <laughs>
1: him getting horny with his Loki helmet. Okay, Great. okay. Fan fiction
2: serious.
1: away. <laughs> Alright, no, no, be completely serious. I would like to see a lot of touch like even though I know Christopher Elson's not coming back, I, I it would be such a lovely surprise to have him back. Like all three of the new Who Doctors. I think that would just I hope someone talks him into it. Because even if we don't get all eleven doctors, or even if we don't get the past like five or six doctors, the new Who Doctors is like, you know, this is the big, those are our three of our generation, and it's my generation's first big special. You know, like, we weren't, I've I've seen the past specials, like, the 20-year and the 25-year, but this is me experiencing my first special, and I want it with my three Doctors. Okay. And Thank because, you. like, Tennant was my first, Eccleston was my second, and Smith was my third. And it wasn't until after them that I went back and started looking at the other ones, like McGann, and like, um some of the I I I haven't dive, dove into old school who as much as I want to but I would love to see the three of them and to see the companions cuz that is my generation's doctors.
0: Yeah. No, I can I I totally get that makes a lot of sense. So that would be kind of cool.
1: But being Moffat, I would love to see um Jack come back. Um I would love to see Rory as the master. Um but I, I do for the 50th I want to see not like you know the season 4 finale cuz we've already had that family thing and sadly we won't have people like elizabeth slayden around anymore but Gosh. um i cried You're make me i me cry i i i yeah i i don't even have the history with her and i still cried like when i i, I was just in shock when i found out um but i i would love to see it. i don't want to see rose come back i don't want to see Mickey or Martha come back. But I would like to see Jack. Um, I would like to see Wilford. Uh, I, I would like to see Wilford and Brian both come back. Um, that I would think, be fun to see them together. The two of them with Jack, can you imagine just like, he'd be like, you're slowing me down old man, come on. And I, you're neither of you younger enough to, for me to sleep with. Uh.
0: As much as I love Jack, I just don't know... I don't know. I. I it'd be hard, I think, to... Bring him into a Matt Smith episode. Maybe, maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm wrong, but that just—I'd have trouble with that.
1: I want to see Sally Sparrow come back. She's the companion we never had.
0: She's adorable. Absolutely. She's now, she that's, she,
1: that's she, the she big went on to. I'm waiting for because we keep getting the angels back, but we don't get Sally back.
0: Well, did wasn't she in like Wall Street too? Like she went on to be somebody. I don't know. I think she did. But. So.
1: I do want a few of the old companions to come back, but I wouldn't mind if it was just something small with just Oswin and maybe a few others. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's another companion. Wasn't there another companion with Amy and Rory at some point that popped in and out other than Brian?
0: I I mean, you got Queen Nefertiti and and the big game hunter.
1: Yeah, Um, that's what it is. I would like to see, like... At smaller companions, because we've already had our Big Bang Shara at the end of season four, so I think it'd be cool to see smaller companions get their second shot, like Sally Sparrow and Riddell. And I just, I think that'd be really well, kind of fun that they get like their next second shot at it.
0: Well, if they were to do it, it would really would have to be uh, Matt Smith related. It wouldn't, they wouldn't bring back David Tennant stuff, because like you said, they've had their ending, that's done. It would all be Matt Smith related. Now, we got some of that during um, A Good Man Goes to War. When, you know, um, the, the, the planes from, what do you call them? Uh, I can't remember the planes from the Dalek episode showed up, the, 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 God, I'm totally blanking. I'm, I'm tired. Sorry. Remember when they're attacking the space station? And yeah. I all know the everybody talked up. Show, yep. The yeah. pirates showed up, the Silurians showed up, the the Centaurians showed up, the... Uh, the British World War II plane showed up. You know, was, uh, all the Doctor's friends were, came in. So we've, we've kind of had that small moment already. Mm-hmm. But it would be nice to see a, a bigger sort of moment with, uh, like you said, with Nefertiti and you know all the all the minor characters coming together from Matt Smith's era. That would be cool.
1: Just something I would really like to see is Paul McGann come back with the the later Doctors, but like pre pre Time War. Eighth doctor. So he doesn't know the time war is coming and they've already been through it. And so even though Paul McGann is older than the majority of them, he's technically younger than them. And so yeah. he, he's still that bright eyed, you know, Galler Frey is still around. Yay. I would love to see that dichotomy come back at some point.
0: Well, I mean, if they bring in 80 year old Tom Baker with Matt Smith, you know, Tom Baker's doctor is technically still younger than Matt Smith's doctor. Oh, isn't so that there's fun? that? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I saw the best picture of William Hartnell standing beside Matt Smith, like it was a drawn picture, not like for reals. Aww. And um, and it was Matt Smith's doctor going, "You can't go out in those clothes, young man." <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's a cute little picture. But um, yeah, I I I'm just excited about the 50th anniversary because it is my first. Um, yep. I I trust Moffitt. <laughs> I have full trust that it's going... Whatever he plans, it's, be, it's going to be awesome. But I hope it's multiple Doctors. I hope it's my three Doctors. If not, I hope McGann comes back. Because he just never has enough love. Um, but, um, yeah. I, I would like to be multiple companions, but I don't actually know what companions I would want. I would want Elizabeth Slated, but we, that's not going to happen.
0: Oh, you're going to make me cry. Um, now, Moffat, you know, he has a history of doing multiple Doctor stuff. I mean, he wrote uh time crash which was the second doc, which was uh david Tennant with peter Davison. he wrote that he wrote curse of the fatal death which was hysterical if you've never seen it you need to watch curse of the fatal death which was during this wild years of doctor who it was you know after mcgann and before christopher eccleston you're searching for it now aren't you oh, rowan yeah. atkinson rowan atkinson played the doctor
1: oh yeah i've heard about that yeah
0: and then by the end of it Everyone had played the doctor, the lady from Absolutely Fabulous. um, What's his name? Hugh Grant, um, Stephen Grant. I mean, all these famous British actors by the end of it had played the doctor in this thing. So, I mean, he uh, Stephen uh, Moffat's got a history of writing comedic stuff and also writing multiple doctor stuff. So I think he I think he'll give us something for the 50th. You know, again, the rumors pretty strongly going around the Tom Baker's on board. So, how on earth he is, I don't know, because I think the man suffers from terrible arthritis, and he's batshit crazy. Um, yeah,
1: and he's also working on Sherlock now too. But he, luckily, he has Gattis to help him out a lot with Sherlock. Um,
0: now, I mean, how many episodes are you getting of Sherlock next time?
1: But you have to keep in mind they're ninety minutes, so it's like three. It, it's like three thirty-minute episodes.
0: Well, if you think of it from Doctor Who terms, it's like uh, oh, I guess three thirty. I see what you mean. Three thirty-minute episodes, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's That's more like. like- two regular Doctor Who episodes. So I guess well, be, three, three, episode, three, three episodes is like six episodes of regular television, I suppose. Yeah. But so I mean, that, how, many, how many episodes of season, what, what's season three? How many episodes are they going to crank out of that? We're,
1: gonna, we're getting three and they released three words for us, which are rat, wedding and bow, which is, uh, or bow, rat, wedding and bow, which is our three episode clues for this time. Cause I think last time it was like woman, hound and fall. Release yeah. so the rat a lot of people thinking, is thinking it's there the great rat of sumatra but at the same time they're not sure because we also know it's going to be the tales of the empty house we've already been told right. it's going to be tales of the empty house You say
0: it's the empty house right
1: yeah so we don't know um we think a lot of people is going towards sign of four with wedding but i actually was hoping that it, it's not going to be mary morrison i hope it's um going to be there's another story where she like pretends to get engaged, like pretends to fall in love and be engaged with this one lady just to solve a crime. And then he like breaks up with her later, just to kind of sob and he catches her. But <laughs> um, I actually hope it's that one. Um, but there's also a lot of bride stories. So it might not be Mary Mortison was on for, And then bow, a lot of people was thinking it's going to be the final bow because even though Benedict Cumberbatch has said, you know, I would love to do Sherlock until I'm 45. Um, they're starting to get really busy schedules between Benedict and Martin, and they have The Hobbit coming out soon in Star Trek, but Benedict's exploded as a as a superstar. You know, Martin Freeman has been around, like, he's done Hobbit and Hitchhiker and stuff. He's been, you know, really steady and awesome. Like, he's never faltered in his awesome amazingness. But Benedict's career exploded within, like, the last two years. Mm -hmm. so they're wondering whether or not um they're going to go into season four and i'm like they they did an interview like almost a year ago where they said that season three was going to end in a cliffhanger but now that they're having all this scheduling stuff we don't know if it's going to end in a cliffhanger or if if it is going to be the final bow and season three is going to be the last we don't (laughs) just don't know and i really hope it doesn't because they don't they us sherlockians will wait forever. I will wait 5 years if it means season 4. I will wait.
0: Well, I'm I'm by trade I'm a, I work in business and sales and all this stuff and marketing and I mean if you look at it strictly from a business perspective, Sherlock is becoming quickly a bit of a cash cow for the BBC. Mm-hmm. So I can't see them willingly walking away from it just because somebody's schedule's busy. I mean, I think they'd be like, "Oh, fuck no, 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 we're going to make this happen because you're making us money." I think Even it though it's a, like, with, quote unquote I mean, not a profit. Be like for
1: the did you? I mean, did you hear what happened with Martin Freeman and The Hobbit? Like, he originally turned down the role because really? he was doing Sherlock. Yeah, he was. He originally turned down the role of Bilbo, and they wanted him so bad that they rescheduled the entire movie to to start filming after he was done with Sherlock. So if they want it bad enough, they'll do it.
0: Right. So, I don't know. I just can't see the BBC walking away from Sherlock simply because schedules are a little tricky, you know? hmm So, I mean, hell, they worked around Moffat with Doctor Who. You know, so, I mean, it's like, as however many cash cows the BBC can make, I think they're going to. Even though, yeah, technically they're a not-for-profit, they're still going to make money.
1: Mm-hmm. So, anyway. I think that's... Uh- just about everything.
0: Absolutely. Well, Hope, I want to say thank you for having me on your show. Um thank you dear, for
1: being on my show and being my arch nemesis.
0: Absolutely. I, I will continue to be your arch nemesis. We played um, nicely this time. We that really did. Round,
1: we were on opposite sides of a lot of points, but we played nicely this round.
0: Well you were wrong a lot last time. So I think what's happened is I schooled you and you've come around to my school of thinking.
1: This is my show.
0: <laughs> Do you wanna come back
1: again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just trying to agitate you so you'll have me back to fight next time. Next I'll, time I'll bring
1: let's... you back on my big gay Yowie show and we'll talk about gay sex.
0: Oh wow, okay, that's fine with me. Uh, or <laughs> or I can or I can come back and we can argue about the merits of Amy Pond as a as a female character.
1: I would love to have you back sometime and like really like like pick and choose favorite episodes. Like maybe in next time, like maybe in a, like a month or two, we could talk about Midnight or something.
0: I would love to talk about Midnight. I, it is such an underrated episode. It deserves praise. And I'm telling you, it is a cleverly remade Twilight Zone episode in a what sense.
1: If, what if we did something where we each picked an episode that we liked and we talked about it in detail? Um. So I came in with it So that'd be a, like one episode. It'd be like the first half. We'll talk about the episode you like and analyze it. And the second half, we'll talk about the episode I like and analyze it. But we have to tell each other like a week beforehand to make sure we had time to rewatch it.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. We got to give each other enough <laughs> yes. time to rewatch it. Absolutely. Because <laughs> if you, you pull. If you
1: want up, to do something like that.
0: Yeah. Um. The timing's going to be tricky always with me. Um. But yeah, I would love to do that. I'd love to come back. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I for me too. Like, it'd probably be something like. I my schedule, as my listeners know, I went on a six month hiatus, and now I'm I'm doing okay. Knock on wood, that I'm doing uh, monthly episodes. I'm doing okay with that.
2: So
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. We'll, we'll we'll keep hoping that keeps happening right now. Um. So maybe just if you happen to know that you have a free weekend that coming up, just give me a heads up, and maybe we can just throw out something.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? Let, let's make a commitment right now. Let's, let's go a little even more specific because I want to talk about Midnight. And you've expressed your interest in um, Donna. Why don't we each pick one episode from season four?
1: I like that. I, I, I Honestly, my favorite episode of season four is probably the Fires of Pompeii.
0: There we go. So I will rewatch Fires of Pompeii for you. You rewatch Midnight for me. And we'll each watch our own, and we'll get together and talk about it next time. And, you know, I could talk about Karen Gillian, because she's in Fires of Pompeii.
2: She is! (gasps) She
0: absolutely is. Every main... You know what? Maybe that's the whole reason that Oswin's in that Dalek episode, just to keep that tradition alive, where Martha appeared in an episode before she became a companion, Donna appeared in an episode before she became a companion, um... uh, uh, What's your call it? Um uh, Amy appeared in an episode before she became a companion. And so maybe that's why they threw her in here, just to keep that tradition alive.
1: <laughs> I take it back. I want to do Turn Left. It, that that's my favorite episode of that season.
0: Okay. Well, uh, Midnight they're they're both very heavy uh well no, that's right. Midnight is the Donna Liss episode. That's right. And turn yeah, midnight left is, is the, the
1: episode Yeah, Midnight's the episode before Turn Left. So that will work. We can talk about midnight and then talk about Turn Left.
0: Well they're they're both designed in such a way that Midnight doesn't have um, Donna, and Turn Left doesn't have the Doctor. So we'll do that. Perfect. I like that. Alright, so we'll get together some time. We'll, we'll I be, don't know when. Be, it'll be just like 2008 all over again.
1: Yes, except for I really like both episodes, so we might get along nicely. If we did like something like a really dumb episode, we're on totally like, opposite ends of the spectrum about, like, what's an episode I hate? I hate... I hate...
0: Daleks of Manhattan.
1: See, I actually kind of, I kind of liked that episode, but You're I wrong. Was, no, but I was really early on. Season three was the first season I watched. I dem- I hadn't seen season one and season two, so that was my first exposure to the Daleks.
0: Okay, that's a mistake because the Dalek episode's good. Uh, Long Game sucked. That's the first episode. That's the uh, the Adam episode with Eccleston.
1: Um See I, I kinda like um 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 oh anything with the aliens of London and the, the, the Slovene. I hate the Slovene.
0: Yes, the farting's not cool. Uh no. the idiot, the idiot's lantern, not very good. Um Fear Her. Not another one of my favorites, really. See,
1: I kind of liked Fear Her, but I was still very... I would love to talk about Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. The, the theology in that episode is awesome. Yes,
0: that one's really... Those are really heavy, really amazing episodes. Uh, I, uh, I
1: liked Love and Monsters, but a lot of people apparently hate that episode.
0: Love and Monsters is fucking genius from go. It's just brilliant the whole way through.
1: Oh my gosh, In fact, Chad. I was
0: watching... Um,
1: We're agreeing a lot. We We are I on know. the same wavelength. This is bad.
0: Uh, well, here I don't like Lazarus Experiment, and I can't stand Mark Gatiss in it. How's that?
1: Oh, okay, there we go. Because I like that episode, and I love Mark Gatiss, and we get to see him practically naked. So, yay for Ian Holm being that uh, Ian, Holm? I, Ian I, I, what's his boyfriend's name? His partner? His husband's name? Ian. Uh, yay for Ian being able to sleep with him.
0: I wish I, I could get husband. I wish I could get that hour of my life back. Um, <laughs> you, since we're since I'm all about the expanded universe, hold on, I got to look up Mark Gatiss real quick. Uh, how do you speak? I, would,
1: I would love to have an episode also focusing on just Weeping Angel episodes, because their theology really grows from Blink to Angels Take Manhattan, and they don't always follow the same rules that they set up in the previous episodes.
0: I would probably, that wouldn't go well for us, because um, I'm not a fan of... Uh, Beyond Blink, you know, I, I did enjoy Angels Take Manhattan, but Beyond Blink, I, I wish the Angels had kind of stopped there. Uh, I'm glad that, I mean, it's cool that they create a new villain that's become a big iconic thing for Doctor Who. I'm glad with that, but they've never been written like they were in Blink. Blink was, when I, when I watched Blink with my brother, who's not a Doctor Who fan at all, and when it ended, he said, you know what, this was movie quality television, what we just watched. And none of the Angel episodes since then have been. So, that's just me. Uh, Mark Gatiss wrote an expanded universe book under the new Doctor Who Virgin Doctor Who New Adventures back all the way back in 1992, called Na- Nightshade. Uh, so there you go. There's some. There's some. There's some research for you.
1: I'm not a big fan of Voyage of the Damned either.
0: Voyage, of, you know. There's certain things about Voyage of the Damned. You know, one thing that really bugs me about Voyage of the Damned, besides the fact that, um, uh, um. What's her, what the hell's her name? Um, Astrid. I mean, well, yeah, that's her name. But what's the, the real the actress's name? Oh, uh, I have no I'm blanking. Essence. But she's famous. I mean, she's like super famous.
1: Astrid. Astrid.
2: Like crazy famous.
0: Um, she's the Madonna of Europe. What the fuck's her name? I'm blanking. Your your fans are screaming it at their iPods. Kylie.
2: Right Min- Kylie Minogue.
0: You really don't know who Kylie Minogue is? Seriously. Just get off the internet, would you? Just get off the internet. You're an embarrassment. Kylie <laughs> Minogue is friggin' insanely huge. She's like, seriously, she's like the Madonna of Europe. She's
1: huge. she's from yeah. Australia.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my only disappointment is she didn't take her shirt off in that. So there we go. Since you keep talking about guys taking their shirt off, it's my turn. She's insanely hot, so. Um, now, Voyage of the damn. the thing about the Astrid thing that's always bothered me, you, you know what Astrid, you know that's an anagram, right? For TARDIS. Really? Yeah, it's an, it's an oh. anagram. Oh! Yes. And that was pointed out long before the episode ever aired. And so everyone was like, what the fuck? What's, uh, what's that going to mean? What's that going to be? You know, when she died and became all sparkly, angelly? I'm like, oh, is she going to merge with a TARDIS maybe or something? And nothing became of that. And it's like, what was all that about? Was that just a, a tease? I mean, that was probably a, a Russell T. Davies just screwing with this thing because he was all about the word games. You know, Torch, you know, Torchwood's an anagram, right?
1: Yeah, I do know that one.
0: Okay. Torchwood's an anagram. You know, um, Saxon, Mr. Saxon was an anagram, right?
1: hmm I do know that one, too.
0: Okay. For those of you who don't know, Mr. Saxon was master number six. Um, Ooh. and obviously Torchwood's an anagram of Doctor Who. But, so, I mean, the Astrid thing, I guess maybe that was to throw us off? I don't know. We were all, like, we, we were sure it had to mean something. Mm-hmm. Anyway. we were it's, so,
1: it's the first time we see Wilfred, though.
0: That's true. That's true. And you know that all of that sort of happened by accident Um, because the actor who played Donna's dad was going to be in season four uh, as her dad. But then he passed away. So they had to fill in. So they hired Wilf back and said, oh, by the way, yeah, he's her granddad. That was all just kind of, you know, uh, serendipity the way it happened. And it just worked out perfectly for the show. So. All right. We said like 20 minutes ago we were going to hang up. So.
1: All right. The so midnight turn left. Next time, whenever we get together, next time.
0: Hells to the yeah.
1: I know uh, October. Uh, it is October. Wow, it's I already it was October. <laughs> I thought it was still September. Well, I was supposed to do an episode in October covering AWA, but summer of AWA. It was fun, and I was the artist alley bitch, and I got free stuff. Yeah, um, artist alley talk-
0: bitch. Wow. Well, no, a lot of
1: like people like Kara. Oh, I was so cool. People like Cara was there selling her tea. So I sat there for two hours and bagged tea samples. And then I got to keep whatever samples I wanted because I helped. So I had 20 free tea samples. I knew another artist drunk her tea. So I went to this other artist and was like, and traded 10 tea samples for two free prints. Bitches.
0: I'm doing everything I can not to make a tea bagging joke. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yes, Cara <laughs> tea bagged me. And I hear our our mutual friend Jackie laughing in the background.
0: All right. Thank you again for having me on the show. I look forward to being on here next time. I will do everything I can to argue with you more next time. I'll just start taking opposite positions for no other reason than just to do it.
1: That's okay. You have a broken ass right
0: now. I have a broken what? Ass. I do. My coccyx hurts. My coccyx needs some attention. (laughs) 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 On that note, have a good night, everyone. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you, Chris, for running tech, too. All right, and thank you for listening to Hope of All Trades. We're a part of Two Two Trades podcast, while you can hear some of my other episodes. And thank you all for listening. My name is Hope Molinets and have a great day, guys. See you next time.
0: Go out and check out the Fire and Water podcast.